Blog Talk Radio. It's time to strap our boots on. This is a perfect day to die. Wipe the blood out of our eyes. In this life, there's no surrender. There's nothing left for us to do Find the strength to see this through We are the ones who will never be broken With our final breath We'll fight to the death We are soldiers, we are soldiers COVID-19. We're going to talk tonight, especially uh, when it comes to children, 
and his uh, concerns found himself uh, losing his employment. Um, now, there is, as you know, a push to vaccinate children, and this is being done for, to a group that has showed great resilience uh, to COVID-19, and also the long-term effects are unknown. So we're definitely going to talk about that tonight and why, uh, at least what we hear believe on Bard's logic belief, is why there's such a push to vaccinate children. And we'll talk about uh, at least my theory on that. So let's go ahead. I believe we have uh, Joel on the line. So let's go ahead and open up uh, his mic. Thank you very much, Joel, for coming to the show. How are you tonight? Uh, I'm doing well. Thanks for having me. How are you? Oh, doing well, doing well. I appreciate uh, you coming on to the show. And I hate to say this, but I, I think that your experience is going to be more common and it's going to happen more often, at least in the next couple of years. Uh, personally, I think that, you know, if we get some legislators in there to make what happened to you illegal, frankly. Um, but let's go ahead uh, and talk to you know, some about that. Tell us your experience on, on what happened and why you think that you were let go. Sure. Uh, yeah. So, um, I, I mean, I think definitely in agreement with I mean, it seems like what what the show is all about. I've I've had my concerns about the COVID pandemic and the lockdowns since the beginning, you know, but kind of just going along with the flow because we didn't know what was going on, Um, whether that's a matter of we weren't told or it was withheld. You know, we can talk about that later maybe, but I was concerned and I haven't stopped working until I was terminated on the front lines. I mean, as a pharmacist, I was there every day. Um, I have a little one at home. Well, I have two little ones um, at home. So I, I, it was a concern because w- when it was first happening, we thought everyone was going to die, you know, I mean, kind of more or less. So I was very concerned about what was going on with the coronavirus, the pandemic as a whole. And as things progressed, I I continued to pay attention and try and keep up with it as it's my job to uh, – do the best that I can for the public and anyone could walk into my pharmacy at any time and, and they'd be my patient customer, you know, you know, what have you. So I tried to do the best I could as someone who is dealing on the front lines with, with the, with the pandemic um, to, to have the best understanding of what the treatments were, of what was, what was pot, what was going on out there in the world I mean, at any given moment, a, a physician or doctor could call me with a, a question about a treatment or a therapy or a dose, and it's my job to to know or try to know what the best answer is for that. So I was very, very aware of what was going on with the, the COVID pandemic. Um, and then the vaccine, you know, big talk of the vaccine, Operation Warp Speed, and it's the only thing we're going to get back to normal. And, I, you know, I thought two-folded. One, well, thank goodness we're going to get this vaccine out and about because it's the only thing that we're going to – the only thing that's going to happen to get us back to normal. But I, I also, you know, ha- have been aware of what Big Pharma has done previously. Not that they've always done bad things. Big Pharma has done great things, and the medical advance, advancements has been amazing. But that's not to say that there haven't been issues with some of Big Pharma's products um, in the past, and, you know, especially the vaccine, just a quick throw out, the dengue fever in the Philippines was a huge issue, a huge vaccine issue and concern, and we can get into that a little bit later too if you'd like. 
Um, well, certainly, you've know, got a correspondence in, in the in the Philippines, so certainly would like to hear about that. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, so, not naive to what big pharma, not naive to what uh, big pharma can do, both positive and potentially on the negative side. Not that it's obviously on purpose, but that's how healthcare and drugs and, and medicine can work. You know, we we kind of try to see what works, and hopefully, it works. Well, hopefully it works the best, and hopefully there's no downside, side effects, adverse reactions in the whole nine. So, uh, in New, so I'm in New York, and we 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 under the beholdest to King Cuomo, were the first ones to get the uh, some of the first ones to get the coronavirus shot. Um, my company was using Moderna, but both Moderna and Pfizer were available. Um, in New York because of the program that we had, that the state had set up with, with the feds. Um, so the beginning of January, we started giving the shot. I had, like I said, I had my hesitancy uh, to, to do that, but both myself and my wife both worked, uh, worked for the same company. Um, we are both, we have both since been let go because of our, of the stance we've taken, but I didn't want. I, I felt uncomfortable giving the shot, but my wife said to me, "If people want the shot, it's our job to give it to them." And I, I found myself, and also thinking that was what we were told was going to get us back to normal, whatever the you know the quote new normal was going to be. So I I took it upon myself. That's my job. That's what I did. So that's what I was doing. I was administering the shot um, to you know when it first came out. It was, 70 and older for like a day until they realized that 65 and older is probably a much more likely category to get enough people in, you know, it has expiration, the expiration window and all this kind of, you know, pharmacy mumbo jumbo, which I, I'm happy to talk about in the future, but uh, let's give them a shot. And as they and as, as time went on, New York state continued to roll back, you know, people, the age, or if you had a comorbid uh, condition, so we were giving the shot to more and more people. Um, probably, I, I think it was probably like late April when they had announced the idea of giving it uh, of children. Um, and then it was early May when that was approved by the FDA under the EAU, as well as it was approved by ASIP, which is the uh, pharmacy, excuse me, which is the organization that deals with the appropriateness of administering vaccines. I, I apologize. I can't think of the uh, an acronym or the, I don't know what the four letters stand for. There's so many of them to keep track of these days. I apologize. <laughs> um, when they, when they had, when, a, when ACIP had said this shot is good to go, um, my company had decided, you know, we, we were switching to Pfizer, which is where the approval for 12 and up was, was passed through. And that was when we drew the line. Um, I have I have seen I have seen and and heard firsthand now reports of multiple uh, of I mean there's been a lot of reports and concerns with the vaccine. Some of the first ones that drew my attention were I've seen and heard of uh, women's menstrual cycles changing, becoming irregular on any on any wide vary variability, um, both after receiving the vaccine and also after having come in contact with people who have recently received the vaccine, uh, vaccine shedding, uh, it's specifically mentioned in Pfizer's trial on page 67 um, that ex ex uh, environmental exposure is a concern. 
and they were concerned about pregnant women, whether it's physical contact or inhalation. So, you know, the short of it is uh, you're, you're a male, you get the shot, and then you go home to see your wife, and then that was the concern that they had. Or whether it was a concern or it was at least something they knew was a possibility that could be a concern in the future. It's in their study. So when it's in their study – Sure. Yeah, if I may interrupt, Joel, and I, I hate to do that to my guests, but I did have a question because uh, I was, you know, watching that interview you sent, and, and folks can uh, access uh, the link to the interview we did with OAN uh, here on, on Blog Talk Radio. But you, you did mention vaccine shedding, and I wouldn't even pretend to know what that is. Uh, for those of us like me who do not know what vaccine shedding is, real quick, could you explain what that is exactly? Sure. So I, I have, you know, I'll admit I'm, um, I, I don't know that I have the best answers for some of the technical questions. I mean, I, I have pretty good, you know, pretty good idea. Um, so vaccine shedding, I mean, it would also, you could also kind of even compare it to just like almost like transmission of, so when you, uh, I'll use an example would be like just getting any virus and catching the common cold. When you catch it, when you catch a cold virus, uh, your body starts to make the parts of that virus. That's how the virus quote survives. You know, you, your body starts to build together the parts of that virus and then you make more virus and then you make more virus. And when you make too much or enough, your body can't handle it. It gets overwhelmed. You get sick. That's kind of a very, very vague brief, um, overlook at how the virus works. Well, the vaccine shedding would be kind of a similar idea, except it, it's specific with the vaccine. So how it works, the, the, the idea, as far as I understand, with this vaccine would be the spike protein is, is the spike protein is the key ingredient or factor in this whole, in, in my opinion, in this whole COVID pandemic. I've seen and heard reports that the coronavirus is nothing. It's the spike protein that's pathogenic, meaning that that's what causes disease. That's what pathogenic means, causes disease or illness. Protein is the key. So what the vaccines do by a couple different means, depending upon which vaccine you're getting, it, it injects, you get injected with a virus or, or an mRNA strand surrounded in a lipoprotein, which is how it survives through your whole body. And I can go into more detail later. Your body makes the spike protein, and which in theory that's what we want. We want if our body makes the spike protein, then our body can recognize the spike protein, so that when we come in contact with the coronavirus, our body is already prepared with the antibodies to have a response. That's why the coronavirus, the vaccines, you know, with a little bit of variability depending on the, the brand, have like you know, Moderna's 95% at preventing severe disease. It's because you've already been exposed to the spike protein, your body's already making it. The vaccine shedding is your body is, I, I believe your body is shedding that spike protein. Your body gets exposed to it through the vaccine. Your body starts creating the spike protein, gets released out into your, the whole rest of your body. You can kind of think about, you know, into your bloodstream and then it goes kind of everywhere else. Or at least that's my understanding. Um, uh, of, you know, what happens with the vaccine gets in your bloodstream. They, the reason I say that is because they, the original thought was that it would just stay local to where the vaccine was. That's why I'm, I, I say that specifically. I don't, I don't think that that's what happens. 
spreads throughout your whole body. That's how your body works. You have tissues, the, and you know that's a whole drug story for a different time. The, well, our body's <laughs> making the spike pro. Our body's making the spike protein, and with that, we are also shedding the spike protein. We're kind of um, almost like you, you, you kind of dead skin cells. Kind of a, a similar, kind of a similar thing. You are kind of making the spike protein, and it's kind of sloughing off of you, or you're breathing it out. So that's why the skin-to-skin contact was a concern in the study. You know, if you laid in, you know, if you laid down um, with your significant other, you know, obviously, if you lay down with your significant other, you could actually give them the virus. So you wouldn't give them the virus. You would give them the the spike protein. You would expose them to the spike protein. So it's not it's not the virus. It's it's what some people believe is the reason that people get very ill from the virus. Wow. Okay. I gotcha. I, I understand. Yeah. So I'm sorry. Say that again. I said, so they, they could get sick because they have that spike protein. Yeah. <laughs> what the idea is. If you, if you do a, if you do a Google search into vaccine shedding, you have to change the dates to before 2017. But if you look up vaccine shedding on Google prior to 2017, you, there will be articles published. It's not, you know, I, I don't know how exactly. Yeah, I bet you is. can't find anything now. <laughs> no, you no, you cannot. That's why I have to change it to prior to 2017. That's right. But and, and I, I'm not looking to you know. I'll, I'll say right now for the record. I am not. I'm not anti-vax. I, I don't have a problem with vaccines. And in theory, I don't necessarily have a problem with this vaccine, the current COVID, COVID virus vaccines that are available. I don't have a problem with it from the standpoint of if it's what we need to do to, to, to escape the last year and a half, I'm all for it. But where my, my concerns are is I don't – public policy hasn't seemed to shift that way. You know, in New York, we still have masks. We still have mask mandates. I mean, I think everywhere, right? You know, you have to have some states don't, I guess. But unless you're vaccinated, you're not allowed to take a mask off for the CDC. So that's where my concern starts to come up. And then on top of that, children. I don't understand the whole – I know we're going to get into that, but that's where my concern is. I don't have a problem with this vaccine. If you can prove to me that the vaccine is needed, I believe or I have concerns that the degree to which this vaccine is needed – and potentially the degree to which this vaccine may cause more harm than getting than contracting the coronavirus and or the risk benefit to getting the shot versus getting the coronavirus. I don't know. I don't know that the, you know, we, we've seen the long-term, we know some of the long-term outcomes of getting the coronavirus. We've been living with it for a year. You, it, as far as I know, you, you, I've seen, you develop lifelong antibodies to it, which is exactly what we want. Now, the 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 risks of getting the shot, you know, there's some short-term ones. There, you know, maybe there might be some cardiac issues, the changes in women's menstrual cycle. I mean, some of it's happening right now, but we don't know any of the long term. So that's kind of that's another reason, especially with children. That's where my concern arises. Is that Children, you know, you said in your intro, children seem to respond very well, respond, right? Children seem to handle the coronavirus well. So I'm, I, I have concerns with this shot, the risk-benefit, getting COVID versus getting the shot. 
I just don't know. I took an oath to do no harm. So I, I'm, I'm living by that. I, I want to make sure that if I'm going to continue to give this shot, it is because it is safer than getting coronavirus and it is safe, period. And I, I'm not, I'm not 100% sold that, that that's the scenario. So you were giving, you know, so you were giving the shots to, you know, 65 and older, those who it makes more sense to, you know, to get the shot. And as your wife pointed out, you mean if they, if they request it, you know, I'm, I'm just giving them what they're asking for, right? And so, you know, you're administering the medicine that, you know, that they've asked for, and they're they're adult. But you know, the problem comes in is again, you know, when it's children. I mean, it's like why give? And again, I'll, I'll talk about my my theory later, you know, but why give, you know, a group of the population that, as you said, do so well, and, and they're, they're not known to be spreaders either uh, of the virus, then, then why vaccinate them? Uh, and so, you know, and, and you do, I mean, you have uh, an ethical obligation in order, you know, as well. And, and that's the ground right. I believe you stood on when they start, you know, wanting you to vaccinate children. So tell us more about how that came about. Sure, right. So, but kind of my, my my ethical stance is kind of a two-folded thing. First and foremost, it's for the children. I mean, I think you know we've kind of got kind of gotten that a little bit panned out. Um, I don't know. I I'm not sure. You know, so the the FDA approved an investigational drug which I've been told is not an experimental drug, but I believe it's an experiment because everyone who gets it is enrolled into the trial or enrolled in some kind of program in which you are tracked by the Department of Defense and Google. So I would call that an experiment. Really? It's not FDA approved. Yeah. I would call that an experiment, but I'm told it's investigational. I will definitely tell you I am, there is a lot of lingo and language that is you, you know, a lot of, a lot of lawyers and very smart people write a lot of big fancy words to get legislation passed and to to deal with drugs and the passing and you know investigational experimental kind of you know there's a lot of in my opinion kind of mumbo jumbo when it kind of comes to that so it's hard to it's an investigational drug. One of my concerns was oh the EAU right so it's a it's not it is not FDA approved. It was approved under the EAU, which is an emergency use authorization. So first and foremost, that was one concern that I had is, um, do people know that this is not an FDA-approved drug? Do they know that? And that was one issue. They don't know that. Most, I I find most people do not know that it is not FDA-approved. And and second to that, it kind of goes back to the children, what is the emergency in children, you know, why, how is this shot approved in a, in a populate, in an age pop in any population, but specifically for, uh, for this, you know, children age population in which the survival is 99.997. You know, what is the emergency in, in, in groups of children? They, they don't really seem to be spreaders. They seem to handle it quite well. I mean, I, I just read the numbers uh, from the CDC about 3.2 million cases of the coronavirus were contracted from ages zero to 17, um, and and the deaths, according to the CDC, were about like 450 to 500. Now that's not to say that 
that's not awful and tragic and sad. And I, by no means, you know, we, people lose loved ones to COVID. We've been, people don't stop using, losing loved ones. And that's not an easy cross to bear. However, 450 children out of 3.2 million. I mean, I would, I would, I would look at, I would, I would look at that number and compare that number to any other cause of death for children, 17 and younger. Previous to this, the annual flu, you could look at, uh, you know, suicide rates. I, I mean, the, the, the list could go on with the concerns outside of just COVID in that age group. So that, that was, that's one major issue. That's my specific concern, ethical concern with the children. What is the emergency in children? I, I'm not sure that there is one, but obviously we're all being told there is because I said no and I was fired and the whole rest of the world or parts of the rest of the world seem to think that it needs to happen. Uh, I mean, I just saw that the Henry Ford, uh, have to pardon me, the Henry Ford Hospital in Detroit is setting up a study, and there's another one in Germany, but they're looking to start with six months and up to give the shot to. So other people think that there is an emergency in children. I don't think that there is, but either way, I need to be I, I need some more data to be proven that there is before I'll give that shot to children. Kind of going back to the FDA and the EAU, that was the other part of my concern as a whole. So 65 and up, I totally understand the administration of this shot to them. That, that age group, one, more likely to have comorbid diseases, and two, didn't fare as well with, with getting the coronavirus. But I think much less than – it's about 50 years of age from what I can tell – much less than 50 years outside of the number of comorbid diseases and general health. Um, I don't know. I'm not sure of the risk reward benefit. I kind of previously talked about it. The EAU, the FDA approved the EAU. People don't know that. So part of my concern was the children. The second part of my ethical concern was do people even know what is going on? You know, I don't know what's going on. You know, I don't think a lot of people know what's going on. But all that we are being told is vaccine, vaccine, vaccine. It's the only way to do it. You can win new cars. You can win the lottery in New York. You can get right. free college tuition. So, so that's mm-hmm. my other ethical concern. That's Ohio. My governor yeah. started that, yeah, here in Ohio. In Ohio, okay, yeah. So. So, th- so that's part of my other concern is the, the ethical. The, in theory, it's a vi- in my opinion, it's a violation of the Nuremberg trials. It's a violation of the Nuremberg code. W- when you are enrolled in a in an experimental study, now whether this is experimental, investigational, to me, it's all a bunch of mumbo jumbo. I'm sure other people, you know, I'm sure lawyers would 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 argue the word of mumbo jumbo, but people people don't understand what lawyers speak, people barely understand what I speak in terms of like healthcare verbiage, right? So it's important that people understand the whole context of the situation. And if people are led to believe the only way that they can get back to normal or the only way they can take a mask off or the only way that they can continue their their college education if you're a college-age student um, is to be vaccinated to me, that is coercion. That that's that is oh, not an appropriate means. And if I may interject, uh, Joel is. Yeah. I, I mean, I just heard tonight, literally hours before this show, 
is there's a college literally down the street. I mean, literally, I could walk to this college in five, ten minutes. Literally down the street that is saying if you're going to live on campus, you have to be vaccinated. Right, right. So, and and, I mean, you know, three hours probably isn't even enough time to go down, you know. I mean, I don't understand how that's not discrimination. I mean, just just to throw that out there, we can talk about that later. I do not understand for, for all of the – in the last three years, uh, you know, three or four years, there has been such a movement, such, such a liberal movement against discrimination and all of these things. And, you know, we're, 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 it seems like we're kind of reliving the, the, you know, not obviously as bad as it was. I understand that. Or I don't understand because I wasn't around back then. But, you know, some of the uh, – you know, kind of 50s, 60s, early 70s, you know, with uh, the different uh, different races, right? There's so many issues with specifically the African-American population, and, and we, we've come so far, the civil rights movement. And then, it, you know, the feminist movement, kind of the 70s, like, we have come so far, in my opinion, I, I believe we have come so far compared to what it was years ago, and I feel like we're just reopening up Pandora's box with this whole vaccine thing. I mean, I don't understand how it's not discriminating to say if you're not vaccinated, you can't participate in X. I just don't. And if it's not, and if it's not discriminatory now, I believe we are only going to continue to go down that road even more, which is even more terrifying in my opinion. I mean, you, you know, in New York, you can't go to Madison Square Garden without the vaccine passport. I mean, I just don't, I, I just, it's it's scary. I mean, it really is scary to think that, like, that's where we're heading or could be heading is is this. But, um, yeah, I agree that that's, that's, that's nuts to me. You know, like, you have to, you, you can't live on campus if you have that. I mean, what if you can't get a hot, you know, and then what if you, what if the, your landlord wants you to have the vaccine? I mean, we, you could take it right. I mean, you you could be you could be put in a corner and not be able to go to get your education that you thought or planned for because you don't have a vaccine. I mean, that's that that's that's insane to me. I mean, there's a lot of other. Oh yeah, it's um, it's, <laughs> it's affecting many industries. I do see we got a couple callers on. Um, I'm sure they'll want to speak with you too. But I got a, just a couple things. And then we'll we'll go ahead and bring him in. But uh, one thing you mentioned, I'd like to get more on if you, if you can, is you mentioned something about the Nuremberg. Uh, I guess you know if, with experimental or investigative drugs. Uh, I don't. I mean, that's the first time I've heard that term. And I, if there's one thing I don't know much about, is, is the medical field, frankly. Um, so sure. what, I mean, it, it almost sounds like you know the Nuremberg trials, maybe something from Germany. So I mean, what's more, if you could tell us more about that, that'd be great. Sure. Yeah, sure. So, I mean, and something else that I can tell you, uh, you know, and I, I had six years of school to become a doctor of pharmacy. They don't, I don't remember learning about the Nuremberg trials. You know, they, they don't, and, and which is not necessarily a bad thing from the context of like, if it never happens again, that's a great, that's a great thing. Right. But the, the long and the short of it, at least as it pertains to what my ethical concern is, is, um, very bad evil people were doing experiments on a population. And we it was established in, in Helsinki during the Nuremberg trials, you know, now called the Nuremberg Code, that people need to have 
free will informed consent, meaning that they when they when they are signed up for an experiment, when they participate in an experiment, they need to know everything, outcomes, long term, short term, or as much as they can, and and these are the risks that they know, um, or that they they need to know. So that's one that that's one part of it is free will informed consent. So I can't. I can't give people free will informed consent for a couple different reasons. The package insert, which is like the piece of paper that comes with all drugs that pharmacies get, uh, it says on it intentionally left blank and that's it. That's all that's on it. So I have, I don't have, if you were to ask me what's in the vaccine, I would have to look outside of the specific drug itself, which is in the very least it's strange. In, in 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 my I've been a pharmacist for seven years. I've never I've never had to I've never had to look outside of a package insert for oh I shouldn't say that. I've never had to go outside for information about a drug outside of the package insert um unless what's um, because the package insert is, is blank, I'll say that. I've never had to look for information about a drug. Um, outside of the package insert because the package insert is blank. Also, without long-term studies and, and trial, without long-term data, it's difficult to assess what the long-term risks would be. So I don't know if people who have received the shot in three years are going to grow a third arm, for example. I, I have no idea. I don't suspect that's going to be the case, but I don't know. Um, so that, that's also, obviously, that's a little bit of hyperbole, but that's, that's kind of what you'd look for in someone who would be enrolled in an experimental trial. Like, what could be the possible outcomes? We don't know them. But people are getting this. People are being coerced. And there's a couple different reasons. That's the first part, the free will, informed consent, informed consent. The free will part of that deals with kind of a list of fraud, deceit, coercion, full knowledge of, of context. So, you know, fraud. I'm concerned with fraud from the standpoint of I, I'm hesitant to the degree that this coronavirus pandemic was really a pandemic. Now, I'll, I, I will say don't think that it's fake. I don't think that the coronavirus is fake. I don't think that, uh, you know, I don't think that no one died from the coronavirus or like, I, or what happened. I don't believe that. But what I am curious about is no more people died. In fact, fewer people died month to month in the year 2020 than in previous years. So that would lead me to believe the degree to which is a pan, this is a pandemic. You know, I, I'm, I don't know how, I don't know. There's also questions like, you know, Governor, uh, you know, King Cuomo's nursing home scandal and other states, you know, Governor Wolf and PA, uh, Gretchen Whitmore out in um, Michigan. You know, th there are some, there are concerns in those states of involving nursing homes and high deaths associated with those nursing homes in the beginning of the pandemic. In my opinion, if it turns out that those um, Scandals were scandals in any context, whether it was purpose, uh, whether it was done on purpose or neglect or whatever they were. If those, if those prove that the coronavirus deaths were not as bad as we first thought, that was the reason for lockdowns and masks and all the 
insane authoritarian tyrannic dystopia we lived through things were fraudulent or you know deceitful i mean i you know quick kind of off topic I've been in contact um, with Dr. Scott Jensen. He did a great job looking into some Minnesota COVID-19 deaths. Out of 2,800 deaths ruled from COVID, he found that 800 of them did not list COVID as an underlying cause. So what that kind of means from the medical perspective is like, you know, if you uh, say you're elderly and you – have heart failure. Well, if you catch the, if you were to catch the flu and you passed away from the flu, you, you wouldn't just be, you wouldn't just go down as you died from the flu. You you died from congestive heart failure, secondary or, you know, primary to the flu. The flu kind of put you over the limit and you couldn't, and your, your heart wasn't able to take it, but it not having COVID as an underlying disease to me means like people just died of heart failure or people just, you know, had pneumonia or, or whatever they specific, whatever their body specifically couldn't take and, and they went to a better place from that means to me that those, you know, 2000 deaths where there was the actual death count. I mean, that's at least how we always measured it up to 2020. So if that's the case that there are less deaths than we were told, the, the degree to which this is a severe disease or a disease that we need to shut down the whole planet, stay at home, wear the mask, kind of the whole nine, that's less of an issue for me. That, that's less of a concern. You know, if it turns out that this disease was comparable to, say, the annual flu, you know, we've never worn masks for the annual flu outside of the Spanish flu, you know, 1918. We've never locked down in our house as far as I know, ever, you know. So so that's kind of the fraud, the deceit, uh, coercion, the mask. You know, the, the CDC says that you have to be vaccinated to walk around with your mask off. Well, if you've been in states like New York, you know, California, New Jersey, um, just to kind of name a few, you haven't been able to take your mask off <laughs> probably even in your own home if, you, if you're following, you know, all of King Cuomo's order. So to me, if, with the first um, glance at a breath of fresh air, take a mask off is get the shot, people are going to go do that. You know, people are going to be like, okay, I, okay, this mask is killing me. I'm done. I'm over it. I'll get the shot. I don't have to wear it anymore. That's coercion. You're, you're, you're being coerced told, convinced that the only way to continue on your way of life is to take your mask off or or is to get the shot to take your mask off. You know, we have a lot of freedoms in this country um, set up and maintained by a lot of brave men and women. And and that's not a part of it, that the being coerced to take a mask off because of a shot that it's no part of it. So that's kind of where the Nuremberg trials come in informed consent. You need to know, as much as you can know about the outcomes of this, this shot, this vaccine, the, 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 the treatment, whatever it is. Part two of that is the, the free will part of that. You, there's the, can there be no fraud, or you need to be aware of everything. No fraud, no deceit, no coercion. So that's, what, that's where my ethical stance kind of came from, was outside of 
65 and up, maybe 50, I don't know that people understand that the coronavirus may not be as, as deadly or as bad as we have all been told it is. Uh, I mean, states like Florida and Texas have had have gotten rid of their mask mandates for a while, and we don't see the, the deaths aren't through the roof. The cases aren't through the roof. So it, it would lead me to believe that it's not as deadly as – as we may think, you know, I mean, going back to the insanity that was 2020, you know, I mean, we had, we had protests in the streets um, while, you know, I mean, it's so, it's so bizarre. That's, that's where I'm coming from. It is so bizarre. I'm not saying the protests were right or wrong. I'm not looking to get into that whole, you know, the whole, all of what 2020 was, but, you know, at one point there, there was a bigger scientists were writing that, uh, racial racial tensions, racial discrimination, whatever verbiage they used, was a bigger concern than the coronavirus. Now, now I'm not saying that they were. I'm not saying that they weren't. I don't want to. Dis- that's not what I want to discuss. I'm just saying we we have continued to push and change the the bounds of how we are maintaining and looking at this coronavirus. You know, every week, every day, there's a new CDC, FDA, NIH, you know, World Health Organization update. And it's from someone like myself who's on the ground level or was on the ground level. I'm just trying to do the best that I can to protect myself and my family and also to try and take care of my patients, which to me is the public, because anyone in the public could walk into my pharmacy with a script, could walk in for, you know, a flu shot could walk in for a COVID shot. So that, that's where I'm coming from. And these Nuremberg trials, uh, the, the ideas behind the Nuremberg trials are of concern to me. And that's where I took my ethical stance because I just don't know. I don't have the answers to be confident that this shot is being administered and given to people in a means that they know the whole outcome. You know, if people knew that, um, if people knew that taking your, uh, let me see, like the masks in Texas and Florida, right? If people knew that taking it off was not going to cause huge spikes in cases and deaths, you know, like people should know that. But I don't think that they necessarily know that. The the news media has done a great job at only telling the story that they want to tell, um, which is obviously what the news does. But with that comes a second, comes my concern is what do people know? What are they being told? In my opinion, the only thing they're being told is shot, shot, shot. If you don't get the shot, you won't be able to do anything, so you got to get the shot. And I don't think that's right. Or at least, in the very least, I don't think it's right, or I want more answers before I tell people that it is right. And that's, that's kind of my, my, my stance on my ethical concern as it relates to the Nuremberg Code, is I believe that there is fraud, deceit. I believe there is fraud, deceit, coercion. Or I even believe certainly that, that there could be. Yeah. I think I all believe there it, could yeah. be fraud to see. Yeah, I mean, even the fact that there could be fraud, we don't know, or I, at least I don't know. And the only answer we're being told is everything is kosher on the up and up. Well, that's definitely not the case because people have different opinions. Um, and so uh, even if there could be fraud, deceit, or coercion, I want some of those answers before I I continue to to go back to you know giving the, administering the shot and and 
telling people to get it because that's what we need. I, I, I need some more answers and concrete evidence other than just uh, our governing bodies telling us that's the way to go or, you know, other than governors of states telling us just get the shot, you could win a lottery or a free college tuition. I, I, I don't find that acceptable. We've never done that before. As far as I know, no. we've never, <laughs> we've never lottoed and raffled off prizes to, 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 you know, I mean, if that was the case, why wouldn't we be doing this with the flu every year? You know, like why, why haven't we been doing this with every vaccine that's ever been done? You know, I just, you know, for children, right? Like, get your rotavirus vaccine, win, win free college tuition for, I mean, children get so many different shots in this series. I, I just don't know why mm-hmm. this is the shot that they picked to to give away the kitchen sink. And that's why I have an ethical concern, because something just doesn't smell right. Hey, before I bring in, uh, you know, our other callers, I uh, just want to, Hey, ask, um, we've certainly got, gosh, a lot to talk to, and I'm wondering if uh, the Nuremberg Code, and maybe we'll talk more about that later, um, some more. And, and thanks for all the information. I was doing a little research while you were talking as well, because I'm, I'm a big multitasker, actually. Um, wondering if, if somehow that could be made to say, look, this is actually an illegal act uh, to try to force people uh, to, to take the vaccine. And my, my concern is, is if, it, if it could be proven for that to be the case, once the FDA approves it, I wonder if that uh, argument could still hold. Maybe that's what we could talk about either tonight or in another program. But before I bring the folks in, how do I mean? So you know, unfortunately, in, you know, you, you lost your employment due to you know refusing to vaccinate children. I mean, how did I mean? Just tell us the story of of how that came about. I mean, what actually happened? What did they actually say to you? Um, you know, when they when they let you go? Sure, sure. So. I had, you know, I, I mentioned the, the big thing for me that kind of first turned me on to, to even going down this kind of thought process uh, was some of the reports from women that I had seen. I, I saw in Pfizer's trial of the vaccine shedding, and then I had seen reports of women complaining about changes in their menstrual cycles. So I reached out through an anonymous ethics line to my company. I called them first and said, like, I have a concern about vaccine shedding. It's mentioned in Pfizer's study. It's, it's a phenomenon that, we, like, we know has been, it, we know it's happened. It's not like it's a brand new thing. Like, it, people are aware that this kind of phenomenon can happen. Um, so that's a concern I have. And then the other concern that I had, that I called my ethics line, my company's ethics line anonymously, and you can imagine why it was anonymous, because look at the end result. Um, right. Was, uh, uh, the whole thing, you know, kind of the Nuremberg idea, like we are pushing this vaccine and now children are like potentially up next. This was kind of when children were probably late April or very early May, you know, when this kind of thought processes were going on. Um, I'm also concerned with just like this, like, you know, I'll say almost rabid way to admit it was just like vaccine, vaccine, vaccine. That was the only thing. And not to mention, what it's like to work on the, you know, and as a pharmacist, and the only thing you're concerning yourself with is the COVID vaccine, but like you also have all of your other daily activities, which is like making sure you don't fill the wrong medication for people. I mean that it's crazy. But so those are, I called my company's ethics line, uh, and I said, you know, can you please send out a memo just so I know that you hear me, 
And like, you know, and then we, you know, if you hear me, you know, I'll, I'll talk to you about it. like, I, I, I just want to know like what you're going to do to protect me um, or me and other people, not just me. Um, nothing came. So a couple of days later, I sent an email to my, the media relations, because it was an email that I had that I knew that I could remain anonymous from. And I also sent them some documentation, including the Pfizer study to kind of support where, what, what I'm speaking to. And there was no out, there was nothing. I then emailed OSHA, which is oh, wow. supposed to be the yeah oh yeah. I, I mean, I did whatever I thought I could as a you know citizen of we the people in the state of New York. What are my options <laughs> right. to get to, to to be? So I emailed OSHA, uh, you know, same idea, same concerns, and OSHA's response back was we we don't have any we currently don't have any jurisdiction over anything related to COVID, you need to reach out to your lo- to the uh, your state's, you know, New York State Governor's Office, New York State Department of Labor. So I emailed OSHA back and I said, so I just want to be, I just want to understand this correctly. The federal, the part of the federal government who is supposed to stand up for workplace safety has zero calls in place for an experimental shot from Big Pharma made in about a year, and the people that you want me to contact about my concern are the same people that I am (laughs) concerned are violating Nuremberg Code, you know, the the Nuremberg Codes. Uh, I said, okay, well, thanks. You know, please forward this to your boss so, like, they can – so someone in OSHA can be aware of, like, the massive concern I had, you know, at least someone has in this country for the lack of any kind of safety protocols or whatever. So OSHA was a bust. Um, so then I just, I, I called my boss. So to be fair, part of it was also my wife. My wife was like, when they, uh, when, when ASIP said, we're not, children are approved. And when my company said, we're going to switch to Pfizer, which is who was approved to give it to children 12 and up. My wife said, like, I'm not doing this. And I said, oh, great. I've been not wanting to do this for at least a couple of weeks now, maybe even a month. So we, so we called our boss and said, like, we're, we, we don't feel comfortable. And, and he said, well, what's changed? You've been giving them right along. And I said, well, this was when the CDC had just came out with, like, the associated deaths, uh, according to the VAERS, you know, 4,400 deaths, according to VAERS, associated with the vaccine, which was more than – any vaccine in the last 15 to 20 years. Um, that was oh, a concern. Wow. Like I mentioned the, yeah, that, yeah. I mean, and, and the VAERS reporting system is nice. It, well, first under reporting is a mass concern that uh, you know, they, they believe one to 3% of, of issues or cases or, or reactions are actually reported. So that 4,400 wow. could be, could be a much higher number, but it also yeah. could be anything, you know, which is to, to be a lawyer, a lawyer could report to the VAERS that grandma was killed by the COVID, or, you know, the reaction happened after COVID. When it was, so it, it is to be taken with some grains of salt. It's not like it, it is not like a perfect clear cut. It happened. It's a fact, but that's how the CDC has been tracking uh, VAERS. It's the vaccine adverse reaction reporting system. That's what VAERS stands for, for, for the listeners. So, According to that, there had been more deaths associated with any of the COVID shots compared to any shots or vaccines in the last 15 to 20 years, give or take. So 
there's concerns the the women women um you know especially for me women of childbearing age was w- what my primary concern was with women and the alt- and the changes to their menstrual cycles is you know there's only so many women only have so many eggs that that's how they're born so i, I right. don't want you know when anything happened to the future generations of the human race i mean i, I don't know i don't know you don't but if something <laughs> could happen right yeah if something could happen hint, hint, no, it's not you what i'm going to talk about later <laughs> yeah and i don't want to be responsible for it so those were my concerns and he said okay i'll have to get back you know it is important and his response was uh vaccinations are a huge uh part of pharmacists pharmacies and pharmacists role now in the healthcare system so we don't know uh, i have an ethical moral religious um, uh, discernment to be able to decide if I want to go forward with a, a with a treatment or, or a service. So the easiest, easiest, simplest example would be like the morning after pill. For so if I have a religious and and or ethical concern with the morning after pill, I can refuse that service. I, I'm not allowed to shame that person. I'm not allowed to tell them why they're right or wrong provide them the ability to get it. So I could say, oh, we'll come back tomorrow. The pharmacist here will do it. Or let me call the pharmacy down the road to see if they have it. They can put it aside for you. I I need to make sure that the patient does not go without the service or treatment, but I do have a right to to refuse that. So that was kind of my, my, my standing was from the ethical concern we previously discussed. So he had to get back to me to see if they make an accommodation. According to the New York State Board of Pharmacy, they are, there is a memorandum that they can make an accommodation. They, they can accommodate me to where I don't have to provide that service. You know, whether they have another pharmacist there who will give the, the, the shots or they find another position in the company for me as a pharmacist that I'm not giving the shots. They, they, they can do that. And I, I mean, I believe they should do that or should have done that, but they didn't. So we came back the next day. We, we're not going to accommodate either one of you. Um, oh wow! You know what? What do? You, yeah, we're not going to accommodate you. What, what do you? What are you going to do? And I said, well, if you don't accommodate me, like, what does that mean? Like, does that mean I'm fired? You know, like, what do? You, what do you mean? You know, like, is that the end outcome? I guess. You know, kind of obvious, but at the same time, like, I was kind of shocked that 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 was the. That was a response. I've been with a company for seven years and my wife for 13 when, wow. when, she, when she got her, her boot. So I said, okay, well, I'm going to have to think about this. I mean, this is my livelihood, you know, well, my health care, you know, all of it was through my company. So if I, if I'm, if, if, if I'm terminated, then I won't have any of that. So I called the next day and, and um, my wife, uh, we had discussed it, and she felt that my uh, we had felt that my belief was stronger, and she was willing to kind of bend some edges uh, to kind of okay the the um, children children vaccine series or the children concern. So she agreed to continue to work, um, but I said like I am not going to vaccinate anyone who is pretty much under 50 without getting some more information. I just don't feel comfortable. And they they fired me, so that was that story. And then uh, a few weeks later, um, my, my wife had g- gone back to work after a shift, and 
thankfully she didn't have she didn't have to to vaccinate or to, to uh, immunize uh, any children on that shift. But she just she decided that it wasn't worth it. She just couldn't pull herself to do it if if so the children. And one concern she had was uh, we were told we weren't even allowed to tell the parents, you know, in our opinion, the whole 411. You know, we weren't allowed to tell them the whole story. We were just kind of, we wow. were told to just kind of fall in line with like, you can't, we were told we can't tell them to, to, to basically, in my opinion, change their mind or to scare them off, you know, which to me goes back to the informed consent. I mean, it's a, I believe it's important that you know that your 12-year-old's survivability of catching coronavirus is 99.997. Now, if you still believe that he needs to get the shot, even though there's a three one-thousandth you know, one of a chance that he will p- perish from getting coronavirus, then, then that's up to you. But we were told we're not even allowed to disclose or, like, discuss that information. You know, we, 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 we're not even allowed to in my opinion, give the informed consent, especially to children. Wow. I mean, as as you get older, yeah, 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 exactly. I mean, as you get older, you know, there's the age group, it kind of changes. And like, as you get older, there's more comorbid diseases associated with, you know, getting older. So it's it's kind of less obvious, you know, what the, what the full informed consent could be, right. Could look like, but in children, pretty much 17 and younger, it is, there is, their survivability from catching it is really, really good. Uh, um, and, and they mild, you know, according to Washington State University out of St. Louis, mild COVID produces lifelong antibodies in, in children, you know, I believe in everybody, but definitely in children. So, and, and natural immunity is the best way. You know, it's what we want. You develop lifelong antibodies. Your body is primed and ready for when it happens. So, it's just it's concerning that we were told, you know, first we're not going to accommodate you, and then second, that, you know, even if even if you're you want to do even if you're agreed to do the shots, it, we would have had to violate, in my opinion, the Nuremberg, you know, ethics because we weren't able to tell the, these parents um, that I don't this is a survivability or, you know, how do you know? There's so many different things. If you already had COVID, wow. they still want you to get the shot. doesn't make sense. You already have the but, antibodies. Why would you get a shot if you already had the antibodies? I mean, there's just so many things that are so bizarre that I just doesn't make sense to me. I, I So that, that, that was kind of what ended up happening. That's like my actual story is I, I tried to go the ethics line. I tried to let them know I had concerns. They were ignored. Um I, I addressed it with OSHA. They blew me off to the state, which is, I believe, committing crimes or at least doing something funky. Yeah, sounds like they're, it sounds like they're violating the law. I mean, especially when they're, you're not telling, you know, telling this information, you know, you know to minors. It, it, sounds, it sounds like to me. I, I hope you're able to sue these folks uh, for lost wages and, and, maybe, and maybe some more, get some, some punitive da- damages because this is outrageous. Uh, again, I, I hope we could get some legislators in there that can, you know, if it's not a law, you know, pass some laws because this, this is out of control. I mean, they're actually, you know, violating code of ethics, if not violating actual laws uh, so that they can vaccinate kids for whatever purpose it is. And 
And personally, I think it's not about keeping people safe from, from COVID. Uh, but I'm gonna, we're going to go ahead and uh, bring some callers in. I certainly appreciate uh, your patience. Uh, definitely want to go over, you know, you know some other things. Uh, so appreciate you being with us here, Joel. But let's go ahead and uh, welcome Joseph. Uh, uh, Joseph lived in New York for a while. I, I think he's actually in his home state. Uh, so thank you very much, Joseph, for coming to the show. How are you tonight? Uh, I've seen better days. Actually, it is my home state. I was born and raised there. Uh, I was there until the age of 18, graduated high school, uh, moved on to uh, greener pastures, and went on to the West Coast. Um, there's an old saying, when something is too good to be true, it, it turns out too good to be true. Uh, I think that uh, COVID-19 or the Wuhan virus will later be remembered in history and will go down in history as the most politicized and uh, hyperbolized um, virus that ever existed. Um, they made it in to, be, to be something that it was never. Uh, they made it to be like it was this lethal virus that was the uh, equivalent of the bubonic plague um, that uh, killed hundreds of millions of people in Europe uh, in the Dark Ages. And um, it's, it's just very sickening because many Americans have paid the price for this um, with all kinds of uh, draconian lockdowns and restrictions that only crippled our economy, crippled the vibrant economy that was booming at record levels uh, until 2020, real, real, March, real, real when quick, this all fired. Um, real quick, Joyce, I don't know if it's, it's your, your mic – or if it's from uh, Joel's, we do keep our mics open here just because if you want to uh, break in, uh, you know, with any comments or, you know, responses, Joel. So if, if you've got just some background noise, I don't know which one it's coming from. Uh, but just to let folks know that if your mic, you know, I keep mics on here on the show. So, um, I'll know, again, I don't know which one's coming from. But, again, Joel, if you want to, you know, break in or say anything, be part, you know, conversation, because at this point, you know, we do, we're real conversational here. Uh, on the show, so if you want to chime in, go ahead, but uh, again, I want to, whoever's got the, the noise, we can uh, eliminate that, but go, go ahead, uh, Joseph, and start with the interruption. No, no worries. By far, more people die from influenza every year um, worldwide. More people die from cancer every year worldwide uh, than COVID. Um, a lot of the deaths were, um, the numbers were fudged to make it seem like, uh, uh, you know, uh, less people died in the nursing homes, uh, especially where uh, in the states of New York and the states of, of Michigan, um, the governors right now are facing or being called to um, be impeached because they fudged the numbers um, to make the deaths uh, seem a lot lower um, with the uh, COVID uh, nursing home scandals uh, where they were uh, allowing uh, COVID to be mixed with uh, non-COVID patients. Um, also, a lot of people who did have COVID uh, also had uh, different pre-existing conditions or um, also had maybe uh, heart conditions or, or different things of that no, nature. Like an uncle. And, I had an uncle with that, so, yeah. Correct, correct. And, 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 and so... <clears throat> A lot of these numbers were fudged. Um, instead of basing the death uh, and the autopsy 
on, you know, a pre-existing condition that was the main cause, if you had COVID, um, they would automatically just say that it was due to COVID. So therefore, um, you know, the data was inaccurate. The science was inaccurate. Uh, Now, um, these lockdowns don't work. People are tired of these lockdowns. We've been told for over a year, wear the mask, we'll be okay. Do the six feet distancing, we'll be okay. Follow the CDC, we'll be okay. None of that has come into fruition. It's been quite the polar opposite, as a matter of fact. Uh, And the proof is in the pudding. You've got the blue states that have implemented the strictest lockdowns, and then you have the red states that have the less stringent lockdowns, and the proof is in the pudding. If you are in Texas or if you're in Florida or if you're in Tennessee or if you're in Arkansas or if you're in Arizona or if you're in South Dakota or if you're in Idaho, uh, 9 out of 10, uh, you're good because they don't require COVID passports. They're not trying to um, – uh, the governorships uh, and the, gov- the, the great leadership from the governors, they're not trying to do anything – to um, trick you or mandate you or make you feel compelled into taking, uh, which I don't even call a vaccine. I've said uh, for many months on this show, it's not a vaccine. Everyone says it's a vaccine. Uh, What they are is they are trials. Uh, Basically, anyone who takes it, uh, you're like a guinea pig. You're you're being experimented on. Um, That is uh, the harsh reality of the matter. And um, so a lot of people have lost uh, all of their liberties, all of their rights, all in the name of COVID. We've been told this has all been done in the name of COVID. We've been told this is done for uh, the betterment of society. This is done to protect society. We have a public health crisis. You see, ladies and gentlemen, the proof is in the pudding because the CDC came out a month ago and stated that if you were vaccinated, then there's no reason why you don't need to wear masks while you're outside. Forty-eight states agreed with that. The two states that will not agree with the science, all of a sudden when the science doesn't suit them, then they don't, then they don't follow the science, is the state of New York and the state of Hawaii. And that makes you wonder. It's like no matter what you do in certain blue states, where these governors are drunk on power, it'll never be enough because for as long as they falsely project this to continue to be a public health crisis, the longer they can continue their drunkenness or their intoxication on power. They are drunk on power. They are involved. Hey, yes, sir. Yeah, I, no, I, just, I, just, I wanted to, I mean, I, I agree 100%. I, I wanted to say, that was that was part of that was another you know factor into why I made the decision that I made was because at one point about a month ago kind of like you said you know we had like seventy percent of the sixty in New York we had seventy percent of the sixty five and older population that had received the shot and there was zero signs that we were going to have the mask mandate removed. The only thing that uh, our, our king did for us was allow us to stay at the bar from an hour later, from 10 o'clock to 11 o'clock. 
So, I mean, you're hundred percent right. That that's a, those, those are the part. That's another reason that I, I just thought like, that, you know, what is going on? This is so strange. Like we're being told this is what we have to do and we keep doing it. And yet we, we still don't see our, our, our civil liberties being restored. So, I mean, I, I, I 100% agree. I don't, don't mean to cut you off, but I mean, that, that's, that, that's what I experienced. And that's part of the reason I took this stance was I, I just don't understand. You know, we, we have the population who is at risk for this, who is at high risk for having severe complications from this disease. They, they've gotten the shot, or at least they've had the, most of them have it who want it. Why are we still in this draconian lockdown? And I, I, think you're right. It's uh, drunk on power, the power trip. Correct, Joel. Um, And I think you can attest to this. 40, 50, 60 years ago, New York was a beacon of freedom. If you could make it in New York, you could make it anywhere. Uh, Like Frank Sinatra, New York, New York. It was the place to be. It's where immigrants from all over Europe came to. It was a big hub. And I'm talking about when the immigrants from Ireland and and Italy uh, were immigrating here in in the early uh, 20th century, in the early 1900s. New York was a a phenomenal place. If you can make it in New York, it's very true. You can make it anywhere. Uh, And sadly, uh, I had um, uh, my ex-fiance was uh, receiving medical treatment uh, in uh, New York. And uh, I am her medical power of attorney, and at the time I was uh, residing in the state of uh, Hawaii. And uh, in the name of COVID, they um, admitted her into the ER, uh, would not let my mother stay in the ER, and they said because it was due to the COVID policies at St. Francis Hospital in Long Island, which is supposed to be supposedly one of the most renowned heart uh, centers in the country, and long story short, um, next thing I know, they sever communications between her and I. They don't give a legal reasoning, and they were trying to make her a ward of the state. I jumped on the plane immediately. I hired a lawyer, and uh, I was luckily it didn't have to go to trial. If it would have had to go to trial, it would have drawn out for at least six more months because at that time still all the courts were closed due to COVID or in the name of COVID in the state of New York. And uh, luckily my uh, lawyer made a compelling case that, look, you violated every right that I had as power of attorney. There was no reason to sever the communications or try to take her away or make her the ward of the state. And I prevailed and I took her back to Hawaii. Um, And it's that scary. New York has become that corrupt of a state is, is that you have to fear that you could walk into an ER, and the next thing you know, they're trying for no just reason to kidnap a loved, person, a loved one like my ex-fiancé and make him a ward of the state and took advantage that I was in another state in doing so. And that is scary that you have to I fear agree. that in the state of New York. You're not safe. No, no, you're not safe. This is not America anymore. At least not in New York, and, and 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 I'm pretty sure I'm not the first or the last one to have gone through this. And I'm tired of hearing in the name of COVID. I'm tired of all these atrocities being committed and currently being committed in the name of COVID. Because I agree with you, Joel. This is the biggest farce 
in global history. In the yeah. name of COVID, just like in the, in the Crusades, so many atrocities were committed in the name of, in the name of religion. Right. And then yeah. in, in, oh, in the I name of COVID. More. Correct. And that's why there's a lot of people who are leaving blue states in droves. Um, you know, they're finding it that the quality of life is not going to come back. Um, New York is, has the second highest homicide rate in the country. People don't feel safe in New York anymore. Um, defunding the police obviously doesn't work. Um, it only emboldens the criminals. And also uh, Comrade de Blasio passing a no-bail law, which essentially means you commit the most heinous crimes, and the next day you're automatically released. And then people wonder why New York has now become a place uh, of uh, chaos and anarchy. So is Chicago. Uh, so is L.A. So is San Francisco. Uh, but if you see the trends, the majority of all this going on are in blue strongholds. And um, we, need to, we need to get perspective again. Um, we, 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 we have a big fight here. And you brought up a couple of valid points, but one point of disagreement is that I'm confident that more than half the nation, and the reason why we're so divided, is because more than half of us doesn't know exactly, technically, technically, technicality-wise, I don't think we'll ever comprehend exactly what the hell is going on here. Because, and I think, Robert, you will agree with me, um, there are a lot of theories. A lot of people believe different theories that make sense. Some believe that uh, this virus was intended to be a weapon by the Chinese. I have never agreed with that. I believe that this was concocted in the, in, in the uh, Wuhan lab. I believe the Chinese, it would not be in the best interests if they would have uh, made this virus intentionally because every economy globally has suffered because of this. So that wouldn't make any sense. But where I do believe the culpability is with the Chinese is when they realize the severity of it, they fail to communicate with other global leaders in helping to contain this. They failed in being transparent. That's where they went wrong. And then this virus was able to be leaked out into other countries that could have been prevented if they would have been honest. Um, but that's a lot to ask of, the, of a, a regime that has not been honest for over 70, 80 years, uh, a communist regime that was uh, taken over in, after World War II uh, and in turn communist. So uh, I'm not one who believes that this was intentional, uh, but, I'm, but this was reckless. This was negligence. And many global leaders are saying, had the Chinese been transparent, they would have brought the best doctors, the best scientists, they would have given them all the resources and help to contain. And what they did by failing to be transparent was they created a pandemic, but it's not really a pandemic. It was hyperbolized to be something more than it wasn't. Uh, President Trump called it right. He said we needed to open up quickly. You know, these lockdowns were no good. Um, everything that Dr. Fauci has went on the record in stating about COVID has proven to be wrong. He's the biggest fraud of the year, um, probably the fraud of the century. Um, so is Dr. Burks. 
And um, I will always believe that President Trump's worst mistake as president was to follow the guidance of Fauci and Burks. And under their, gui- under their guidance, he made the decision to temporarily shut down the entire country. And so uh, we have a very divided nation. One thing this divided nation knows is that more than half of us knows that all of these lockdowns, all of these draconian measures, they were never right to begin with. They never sat right with us to begin with. We always knew it just didn't make any sense. We always knew because they said, wear the masks, uh, wash your hands for 20 seconds, and distance yourself six feet, and you'll be okay. And that's not true because even if you did that, the disease is airborne. That's not going to stop it. And what I find ironic, and I'll defer it back to you, Joel, and I'll defer it back to you, Robert, is the whole point of getting vaccinated, I would think, right, is so that, okay, there's no reason to wear the masks anymore. There's no reason to do – there's no reason to have six feet distancing, right? There's no reason for that, right? Once it's done, it's done. But yet you still have a certain faction of the country that's saying – Oh, no, if you're vaccinated, you got to double up on your masks. Yeah, that makes sense, morons. That really makes sense. Sure. Oh, and you still got to keep the six-feet distancing rule, uh, you know. You still got to keep that rule. Why? What is the point of getting vaccinated? You're vaccinated, right? So you're supposed to be immune from it, right? So you would think that, okay, the federal government would be saying, okay, you got vaccinated, great. Okay, all the restrictions are gone. Uh, go back to trying to live as normal as a life as you can, but that's easier said than done because the Harris and Biden regime killing this economy with their policies. That's the problem. And the sad part is, let's say hypothetically COVID never happened today. Let's say it never existed. And these two buffoons, dumb and dumber, Biden and Harris, were still in charge. I still think we would be where we're at today because their policies don't allow the free market to grow. They kill the free market. They cripple the free market. They're designed to kill small businesses and corporations. Businesses have always been the engine of the American economy. So it wouldn't matter either way. It, that's the sad reality. And I promise uh, uh, one more thing before I defer. There was an election, a mayorship, uh, in a small Texas town right by the border. Eighty-five percent of Latinos voted to elect a Republican mayor. When asked what was the main issue that compelled 85 percent of the Latino population, you know what it was? The border crisis that was created by the Harris-Biden regime. Joel, I commend you for sticking up for what you think is right, which is your right as an American. It is your right that is afforded to you by the Constitution, and I commend you for that. And I wouldn't blame you if you and your family took sanctuary in a red state that would offer you a job, because what happened to you and losing your job for doing what you think is right and for not wanting to violate something that you thought was ethical just shows you how low New York has stooped to the level of corruption. Only advice I can give you 
I know it's really, really ten times colder in South Dakota than it is in New York in the winters, but Governor Nome is offering sanctuary and resources and refuge and subsidies to anyone in blue states that have lost their jobs in circumstances like yourself, especially frontline workers who saw corruption and said, I will not go along with this because it violates my conscience, it violates my ethics, it violates my religious beliefs. She is offering subsidies, bonuses, and all kinds of resources for people like you to go to South Dakota and continue in your field of study and um, live a freer, more prosperous life. Joel, I commend you for your service and your bravery. I know it wasn't easy coming on this show tonight. No, it wasn't easy revealing what you did. But know that future generations will be grateful that courageous Americans like you were the last line of defense that enabled yeah. us to remain the, 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 the land of the free and the home of the brave. And I'll defer back to you, Robert. Go ahead, Joel. Um, I know you got yeah. some uh, response there, and you're certainly welcome. Go ahead. Yeah, no, I was, just, I, you know, thank you. I, I, I appreciate that. But uh, I, I'm, um, for whatever reason, it came to be New York is the Empire State, uh, and, and I'm not leaving my home because of uh, corrupt politicians or because of I'm not leaving my home for no reason. Um, I mean, the uh, the winters are cold. I, I will give you that. And I, my, I could not convince my wife to go to South Dakota if the winters are worse. You know, we're already struggling enough <laughs> in, in New York with the winters as it is. But I have no intention of leaving the state. I have no intention of backing away from from my concerns and my, and my fights. New York State is the empire state. Uh, and, you know, we mentioned Frank Sinatra earlier you can make it here, you can make it anywhere. Well, I'm going to make it here to prove to the whole rest of the country that you can make it anywhere in this great country and the greatest country in the world. So I, I appreciate your, your kind words, but I'm, I'm not, and I, I agree. I, I uh, Governor Noam did a great job during the pandemic. I, I, I was a big fan of her and still I'm a big fan of her, for, you know, from what I saw happening, but. Uh, I uh, I'm New York strong, not in regards to how uh, King Cuomo d- defers it, but I I'm going nowhere, and I intend to uh, I tend to I intend to get back to state. Um, I intend to get back to Empire State because I think this is where it all began. So I, I have, but I, I appreciate your kind words. Some other things I wanted to. Kind of just, you know, you brought up made me think of. Have you have you seen any of the Fauci emails, Joseph? Have I, you even I heard have. Of we, I have actually. Robert brought it up uh, last week on last uh, on last week's show, uh, yeah. and um, it's some it's, of them it's, it's, it's complete some proof of them that, that uh, yeah. some of them discussed that it, it was a bioweapon. I mean, I, I'm not saying it is or it wasn't. And I'm not saying like you know like you said if if it was or was not intended to be released by the Chinese, but I mean some of them are titled you know manufacture what is it like mechanism for bioweapons. So I mean in the very least it's curious, but either way I mean I, I agree with you know your your stance on the you know Chinese Communist Party and 
keeping it silent, and, and Taiwan knew about it. I mean, the whole thing was a, a, a crazy, the whole thing is a crazy, crazy disaster. And then the other thing that I, you said that I kind of wanted to comment on, which uh, full agreement, but, you know, you said, if you, if you get the vaccine, aren't we supposed to, like, aren't you good? You know, if you're good, if you get it, you're good. Don't worry, you know, if I, I don't need it because you got it. I mean, it kind of goes back to, like, you know, the full informed consent. Would would people still get this shot if they knew that they could still catch the coronavirus and give the coronavirus to people? You know, the the there was some some mild evidence that the Moderna's vaccine prevent reduced transmission of the coronavirus. But you can still get coronavirus and give coronavirus if you've received the vaccine. More concerning, or potentially as concerning, is the CDC is constantly changing how they're looking at the numbers. You will not count what well, numbers. I just saw 10,000 people that they know of. The CDC said 10,000 people have contracted the coronavirus after they've received both shots or they've, they've been fully vaccinated, regardless of who it was from. So 10,000 people have still gotten the coronavirus even after they've been fully vaccinated. The CDC is now cha- has changed, I think it's probably three weeks ago now, how they um, look at counting coronavirus cases. If you, have been vac- if you have not been vaccinated and you get the coronavirus, coronavirus case, if you, have been, if you have been vaccinated, fully vaccinated, the only time you count as a coronavirus case is if you are hospitalized. So I kind of, I said it you know, in the beginning, it is so hard, in my opinion, for healthcare providers, whether it's a pharmacist, nurse, doctor, anyone who's trying to do, do their job in healthcare, how do we keep up with the, this ever-changing analysis of statistics? Why are we now changing the rules so that if you are vaccinated, you only count as a COVID case if you're hospitalized? I have a lot of, I mean, I can tell you theories why I think that. I mean, I can tell you a lot of reasons why I think that's the case. But at face value, why are, why are we doing that? Why, why are we manipulating and changing the, the goal? Why are we moving the goalpost? If you, if, you, if you catch COVID, you got COVID. That's a case. I don't know why we're saying, well, it's not a case unless you're hospitalized if you have the vaccine. It's just, it's so hard, you know. goes back to my concerns, right? goes back to the whole reason I took an ethical stance. What is going on? We keep shifting and changing and altering how we're looking at this and assessing it, and it makes it darn near impossible for people to get straight answers. But we're not allowed to tell them any of these things. We just got to give them the shot. And then go home and and go back to sleep and then wake up the next day and and do the shot again. It, it, it's the most bizarre healthcare I've I've ever I've ever seen in my life. It's crazy. And I couldn't agree with you more. And I think that's why we're so divided as a nation. It's because more than half of the nation has such a level of distrust with the federal government and how they have handled it since the changeover to the Biden-Harris regime, there's just so much distrust in government. It's at an all-time high in our, in our over 240 years as a constitutional republic. 
And so you have a lot of people who are not defying the vaccine just for the sake of defying the vaccine or as the old saying, cut your nose to spite your face, but people just don't know what to believe anymore at this point. And when you don't know what to believe anymore, um, you're at the point where, look, um, you know, put your liberties aside. I mean, you know, people are, uh, have their liberties that have been stripped away for them. You still have states like New York, um, you even mentioned New Jersey, Pennsylvania, where we're, we're over a year dealing with this, and kids are still not back in the classrooms. And you're absolutely right. The science has proven that kids have the lowest, lowest chances of contracting the virus. And the CDC has said many times that it's safe for kids to be back in classrooms. But the problem for healthcare workers like yourself and why more than half of the country has such a level of distrust in healthcare workers and it's not your fault that they have the distrust, is because the CDC constantly is changing their guidelines weekly, uh, on a weekly or biweekly or monthly basis. You got people's heads spinning more than The Exorcist from 1973, the original movie. People don't know what to believe anymore when you're flip-flopping so much on stances and policies and things seem to always change. And when they're changing, they're never changing for the better. They're changing for the worse. So you just got a lot of people that are saying, look, you know, to be honest, most people right now, they're really not concerned about the vaccine. They're not concerned about contracting COVID. Most people are concerned about when are my kids going to get back in in the classrooms because they're being robbed of their education. They're being robbed of their childhood. They're being robbed of the social skills they need to learn in school by socializing. Uh, When is this economy going to get back roaring in in blue states that have – strict lockdowns such as New York. I mean, there's no, you're absolutely right, Joel. 70% of the population of New York has been vaccinated, and you still have restaurants that are closed down or only operating at minimal capacity. It's ridiculous. If you follow the science, there's no reason New York should be fully reopened right now. I emphasize the people. If I may interject real quick, gentlemen, and and even worse, is even as things are opening up, you have some places that are actually paying people more to not work than to work. And also I discovered the other day that many people are actually getting free health care along with increased, uh, you know, uh, I'm sorry, I just got a text from, from Kelly, uh, who actually are getting free health care uh, along with the, uh, the increased uh, you know, for unemployment. Correct. Yeah. Now, on the unemployment thing, and uh, Tucker Carlson said this really well last month, and sometimes I agree with Tucker Carlson, sometimes I don't. I don't think you're going to always agree with, um, you know, the host of a show. Uh, but hey, we both agree no, I'm on just kidding, Kat. <laughs> I'm just kidding, Jason. No, don't worry, Robert. I always agree with you on everything on this show. That's okay. <laughs> Not everything, but, but anyway, I'm just kidding. Go ahead. No, no, I know, I know. Um, but I agree. I don't think people are being lazy. They're, they are abiding by the laws of their state. And if you're getting paid more sitting home than going back into industries where employers are very abusive, then that's not being called lazy. That's called following the law and using the loopholes of the law. And I think that's where Tucker and I completely agree. Tucker said last month, I don't think people are being lazy. 
I just think people are being smart about it. They're using the loopholes. They didn't create the loopholes and incentives. They didn't make it so that you would make more unemployed than you would make in your job. But also on the other uh, per, uh, retrospect, maybe, maybe if employers did a better job of treating their employees better instead of treating them like trash, especially in the hospitality industry and the service industry, maybe more people would be, let's say, more eager to go back to work. So on that, I don't think we're going to agree. I see it the way Tucker Carlson sees it, and a lot of people see it. Hey, I didn't create the law. I didn't make it so that I'm making more money staying home. So you can't fault me for staying home, and I agree. You can't say I'm being lazy following the law. But two things, and I'm not going to belabor this much. This will certainly be for a conversation for another day, another episode. The two things, one, I think in the long term it's hurting them, one, because the longer you are from being employed, the, the longer you are from being employed, the harder it's going to be to get employment. And that's one. I mean, cause someone's going to say, well, why didn't you work for X amount of uh, So it's actually going to be harder for them once they finally, are, you know, try to get back to work because an employer – I used to be – I used to do a lot of hiring years ago. And if I see a, a big gap, they're going to ask about that. Um, and you know, and, and if there if there's a lot of hiring and people don't aren't taking jobs, I mean, if, if, if I'm just saying as a hiring person, if someone said, "Hey, look, I was making more money not working the working," I'd be like, "Nah, nah, I'm not hiring this guy or gal." I, I personally, as a as, an, as a hiring em, employer, I wouldn't do it. I mean, I had a small business for about ten years as well. I, I just I just I'll be honest with you, I wouldn't do it if, if someone you know during an interview said, "Oh yeah, well." You know, hey, I was getting free health care. I was getting, uh, you know, paying more, not working the working. So I decided, hey, I'm not, I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to work. I mean, that, that, that just, at least for me, I, can, I can't speak for anyone else, but I can't imagine many employers being like, oh, yeah, yeah, I got you. Because um, they're I'll just not going to do it that way. Second, second also, cool. if you're not working, also, second, when you're not working, you're not contributing to your, you know, if you have any type of 401k, you might be able to buy, a, you know, separate IRA or something. Certainly, but you're not you're not contributing to, you know, an your retirement. And then three, how you how how can you say you're contributing to? I mean, I mean, I guess there's other ways other than employment, certainly, to contribute to, to society. But I mean, I mean, how how can you really be like? I'm contributing to society now, unless you're using that time to to volunteer, to help other people, you know, or, or, or do something, be productive to help society in some way or another. Like, I mean, one thing I did, because I mean, I was in 2012, one of the ways I was able to do the show for five days a week is because, you know, I got laid off. I was, in, I was laid off uh, for a year and a half. I got a college degree, graduated cum laude from a pretty good college, and I couldn't find a job. I was practically begging for work. But while I was working, I was doing the show, I was campaigning, you know, I was campaigning for a presidential candidate at the time. Um, and then, I, you know, for the time I was in unemployment, you had to still search for work. But, I mean, I again, I practiced, you know, and finally I, I got on board with the company that, I, at the, you know, at the position I was in was 100% commission, you know, so – I'll only say one thing to that, and I do agree we'll leave it as an, a different topic for another show. Um, 
the most abusive industry right now and the industry that has the most desire where they're giving all kinds of bonuses and incentives is the service industry. But there are two sides to it. I know, um, and I've heard the horror stories from people that I know that the employers are very abusive in the service industry. So if employers want to incentivize people to come back to work, I find it ironic that the employers that are most desperate in offering bonuses are the ones that tend to have the most abusive employers, and then they have the lowest retention rates of a revolving door. So I'd say, and leave it at that, it's a two-way street. Employers need to look themselves in the mirror and also realize that they are contributing to a lot of people who you can't blame them if they don't feel um, eager, enthusiastic to get back in an industry that just spits you out and, and walks all over you like the rug. So I think well, two-way well, street, I, I, I think I, employers well, need to do a better job. Well, and again, well, that's a conversation for another time, and we, we love the great district because, I, mean, I mean, I know what I went to school for, and I can tell you, I'm not going to say what industry and what I'm doing here, but uh, I'm not doing what I went to school for. I've just, I just found myself, you know, we're all commissioned, and now I'm in a different position now uh, within the company, uh, but it's certainly not what I, you know, went to school for. But I do want to bring in, and I really appreciate uh, the patience uh, for Steve. Uh, so, Steve, you've got any comments or questions for our guest tonight uh, on our you know, topic this evening? I really appreciate it. But thank you very much, uh, Steve, for coming to the show. How are you tonight? Doing better than my, I deserve, Steve, from Indiana. I've got a, a, head, a new headphones. And can you hear me pretty well? <laughs> yeah, there you go. Thank you. Oh, you can hear me pretty well? Okay, good. Joel, oh, yeah. you are a patriot, Joel. Your patriot man did the right thing. Thank you. I know there's so much confusion going on, and uh, Steve, the show knows knows Steve as a guy that's been into holistics for 14 years. I've been investigating the corruption in big pharma for over 10 years, and so I I can help you clear up a lot of confusion because I was when I 14 years ago when I couldn't get healed of my upper respiratory infection and. Had to get into holistics. I've been healed numerous times from just simple holistic supplements, something as simple as magnesium. Uh, a book called The Molecular Vision of Life, uh, written by author Lily Kay. And she goes into Rockefeller Medical University in New York City, engineered the current big pharma industry back in the 1930s. The corrupt big farmer that you see today, Joel, engineered by John Rockefeller. And uh, Lily Kay goes into all the evidence in that book, The Molecular Vision of Life. And um, Dr. neurosurgeon Dr. Russell Blaylock is the one that uh, slapped me around over a decade ago about uh, just how corrupt big pharma is he had challenged he, in hawaii he, had, he challenged the entire department of health in hawaii uh, to an open debate about vaccines causing uh, brain damage over a decade ago they didn't show up for the debate uh, neurosurgeon dr russell blaylock then you've got virologist stefan lenka in germany uh, stefan lenka s-t-e-f-a-n last name lenka l-a-n-k-a He's going into 
your entire education system that the fact that viruses harm the body is totally incorrect in the first place. He offered a $100,000 reward to prove that airborne viruses even exist, including measles. And that went all the way to the Supreme Court in Germany. And this was like back 18 years ago. And so one of the first things they teach you in holistics is that these airborne viruses, um, the idea of an airborne virus, and, and that's why we've got people that haven't been sick in this country in 50 years. Why? Because they're not taking any yearly flu shots. They're not on any big pharma. They're on organic foods. They're eating. They're getting their supplements. They're getting their nutrition. But what can kill billions of people is the two words called conspiracy theories, which the CIA and the mainstream media has been pushing to the American people since the death of John F. Kennedy. They, they, they've been pushing that word conspiracy theory. So the truth about how health really works, um, and I've got an 800-page book, Joel, of all the corruption in Big Pharma that goes back 200 years. Uh, the title of this book is What Really Makes You Ill by Everything You Thought You Knew About Disease is Wrong. It goes into over 200 years of corruption of Big Pharma this whole idea of an airborne virus just being just totally corrupt and the flu shots, um, you had an epidemiologist that worked at the CDC, Timothy Cunningham, three years ago. They tried to say he drowned himself. Why? Because he was trying to expose how deadly the flu shots are, the yearly flu shots are. So this corruption goes far back. The autism rates in children exploded starting in the mid-90s. What happened before the mid-90s, Joel? 1986, they made the vaccine industry immune from prosecution. You can, big, Pfizer cannot be held accountable because they're immune from prosecution. Some of you claim that was 1988. Uh, uh, vaccine manufacturers are immune from prosecution. Right after that, the mid-90s, Autism rates in children just exploded. And people wonder, why did cancer explode? Hmm, maybe because before the 1980s, your polio and other vaccines had cancer viruses. One of them is called SV40. Did they intentionally put cancer viruses in the vaccines so that the cancer rate in the population would explode? These, uh, so, Joel, these vaccines have been killing people since World War One, and who gets to write the history of what happened in this country? The, the victors write the history. Those that conquer write the history. But, yeah, John, uh, John Rockefeller and Big Pharma, they engineered this system at Rockefeller Medical University in New York City in the 1930s. And so uh, check out those books. Um, uh, the Molecular Vision of Life, I know it's 300 pages. I know the 800-page book. Um, that I, uh, but these books will open up your mind, Joel, to what these holistic doctors have been saying for a long time. I heard about airborne viruses being a scam over a decade ago. That was one of the first things I learned about the airborne viruses. Uh, is it's, a, it's, a, it's a scam to get you to – because who's going to who's gonna go get a flu shot if – there's no benefits from getting the flu shot. And the right. flu, it, it, it mutates every year. And then people ask, well, Stephen, if it doesn't exist, why are people getting sick? Because nutritional deficiency and 
toxins. From what I'm hearing from Stefan Lenka, viruses are produced in your body to remove toxins out of your body. So what they're the doing is taking something, yeah. Yeah, taking something the all natural. Yeah. yeah, they're taking something all natural and they're criminalizing it. And it's, oh, it's COVID-19. You failed a test even. You're a bad person. You're a danger to society. You failed a COVID-19 test. No, what you did on that PCR test, the same PCR test used during the AIDS uh, situation in the 1980s, yeah. which my grandfather told me AIDS was created in a laboratory, and of uh, this research that was created in the laboratory in 1961-62 at the University of UCLA. See, see, what they're doing is they turn up the rate to 40 cycles if you haven't been vaccinated. If you have been vaccinated, Joel, they turn it down to 18 cycles so you don't come back positive if you have been vaccinated. You see how corrupt that right. is? Oh, yeah. Why do we well, have I'm people? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Why do we have people <laughs> having been fifty years? It doesn't make sense. If flu shots were so wonderful and big pharma and vaccines were so wonderful, why do we have people that haven't been sick in fifty years? Why in the country of Japan and Joel, look up Japan. They the nation of Japan fights against vaccines more than anybody else in the world. Why do we have a one hundred year old marathon runners, Joel, in Japan? that does not touch Big Pharma, an entire division of 90 and 100-year-old marathon runners in the country of Japan. They interviewed them. They said, hey, we don't, we don't, we don't get involved with Big Pharma. Yeah, Why? Right. It's corrupt. Yeah, go ahead, uh, go ahead, Joel. So come, Joel, what's the time in on that? Go ahead. Go ahead, Joel. Oh, no, I, oh, no, I, 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 I agree 150%. I mean, I, I'm pretty – pretty aware of most of all of that. I mean, I haven't, I'm not familiar with the books or, you know, not suffering uh, along or anything, but, oh yeah. I mean like the, you know, the Rockefellers. I mean, if you, if you look at some of the original reports from uh, like the Rockefellers dealings with the Spanish flu, it's insane. Like your, your exosomal theory, the, the, the exosome theory, uh, you know, compared to the virus kind of theory, I mean, it, it's very compelling. I mean, we, they were t the Rockefellers were like taking. I mean, they would take saliva and snot and inject it into other people and inject it into horses who who are sick with the Spanish flu, and they didn't get sick. You know, and, and if you kind of go with like current, if you go with the current standard of of I guess virology or, or, you know, immunology of virology or vaccine, what, you know, whatever you want to describe it. I mean, that would, you know, people, people, I can't, people wouldn't know what to do with themselves. If you told them that I'm going to, you know, inject you with my own bodily fluid, then I have, you know, the flu. I think people would guarantee that they're going to catch the flu. But in 1918, that did not happen. They did it, they did it in horses and they did it in humans. I think they did it in rabbits too. And they found zero transmission between people like you know horses and humans who had like who had the flu virus and then injected it into someone else. They they didn't get it. It's a very you know smallpox. Like one hand would get smallpox, but the other hand wouldn't. 
you know, there's a, there's a lot of questions involving uh, the the current explanation of uh, not necessarily virology, but I guess concerns with virology and also like versus like the exosomal theory. Like you said, you know, like we produce these, you know, virus packets, and that, I mean that's kind of what they are. It's a, it, the exosomal theory, it, in a very very basic sense, is your body, your, your cells produce and make um, junk stuff you don't need, you know, waste, waste products. Well, at some point, all of these waste products kind of get balled up into a cell, which you, some people you may call like a, a virus, and it gets pushed out of your cell. And then as, as this kind of happens, kind of it typically happens all around, it typically happens it, like in a season. You know, like, you know, in the winter when your body's kind of more tired or like in the spring when you maybe have allergies, kind of things like that. You get rid of this big push of all this toxic toxins and all these toxins that were, I'll say, suppressed in your cells have now kind of been flushed out. And with that, sometimes your body handles it by you getting sick. Oh, no, no, I'm I'm very... Um, you know, the, the Japanese, you know, they're one of the, I don't remember, I can't think of the name of the city, but they're, there's a city in Japan that's part of the Blue Five. You know, the, the, uh, Costa Rica, there's a place in Southern California, St. Saint, Saint Venture, I can't think of what's in California, but there's five places in the country where they have the highest rates of centurions, people over 100. And, but I, I, well, I didn't know about, um, you know, Japanese and their stance on vaccines. I'll, I'll definitely have to look into that. It's very curious. But no, I, I'm. My wife and I watched uh, or listened to watch to the Truth About Cancer. So we are very, very familiar with uh, the holistic approach, and and uh, I guess more familiar with the real state of humans and their health than we are led to believe and certainly led to believe in, in, in my opinion, in the current state of healthcare education, whether it's physicians, pharmacists, you know, one of my biggest complaints and one of, one of the things I aim to change in, in the practice of pharmacy and in healthcare is the lack of nutritional uh, science discussion. You know, I mean, we have very vague discussions about nutrition, but I think, you know, uh, I mean, I believe God created our bodies with specific intent, but, you know, outside of the religious aspect, your body is, our bodies are made to do incredible, amazing things and food and the sun can get you there pretty easy. But when you have 10 companies producing 90% of the GMO food that you're eating, very difficult to achieve what your body can really achieve and and because you're missing out on so many you know key nutrients ingredients and, and things like that no no i'm 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 100% with you steve i i it's but that's one of the that's one of the journeys and roads that i plan to go that i'm i'm looking to go down is to try and um try and change that so that people know people can have an understanding of what, what their bodies can do and who they are, what they're capable of. I don't think people even have a clue. It's been suppressed from us for, for millennia. Yeah. And they, they force uh, guys like me, Joel, to come to the table. Hold on, Steve, real, real, real quick. Uh, A couple things, programming note, uh, two of them. One, we are reaching the top of the hour. 
so that means we're getting ready uh, to go into the section where if you're not called in, uh, you won't be able to listen to the show. So please don't, uh, if your, your battery's running low on your phone, uh, have them charged because if it gets disconnected, you won't be able to call in. Uh, but if you're out there uh, listening, like in the chat or whatever, give us a call at 347-945-7428. Uh, and uh, we appreciate if you just push the one on your number dial. We do have Kelly next. We have a Skype caller. Skype caller, I'm going to bring in the green room in a minute, get your name, uh, and then we'll move forward. But uh, our guest here, Joel, I mean, you stated in our, you know, our emails that, you know, definitely be able to give us a couple hours tonight. We certainly, of course, all appreciate it. Um, we got a couple more callers at least uh, who, you know, want to join in on the conversation, but I do want to be respectful of your time. I mean, if you're willing to stay with us, great. Um, then, you know, we'll just continue on. But, I, again, I did want to be respectful of your time. Uh, so, I mean, would you have, be able to spend more time with us, or do you have to go in you know, when that two hours oh. passed? Or, or tell me what you um, no. were able to, to do for us. No, no, I'm feeling good. No, I, I, I'm, I'm definitely able to. I'm definitely able to. They, uh, I mean, I should have anticipated the conversation would have would have uh, got, got gotten me going and got me energized. So no, I, I'm feeling good. No, I'm I'm definitely down for for some more time for sure. Definitely. Okay, great. Well then, uh, go ahead, Steve, and then we're going to bring in Kelly. Kelly's got some updates for us as well. Uh, once Skype uh, caller, you hear Kelly, uh, then I'll bring you into the green room, get your name, and then we'll uh, continue on. Go with Steve, and then we're going to bring in Kelly. Thanks, guys. Go ahead. And then, for example, vitamin C. We can't go six months without vitamin C from food or supplements. We'll die. I don't have to put a gun to anybody's head to take vitamin C out from food or supplements. It's just natural. The censorship is where I'm getting at. If a product, if a health product is so great, why do you need to censor? Doctors off YouTube, censor. Doctor off major social media platforms. If a product is so great, it sells itself. There's no need to censor people. There's no need to do death threats. The doctors like, uh, you know, there's no need to do death threats like uh, Dr. Mercola, Dr. Joseph Mercola. There's no need to fire pharmacists like yourself, Joel. If, if this product is so great, it should sell itself. It should sell itself. If the product is so great, it's like I told you about the lockdowns. If a virus is really deadly, you're going to lock yourself down. You don't need to be locked down by the governor's uh, mandated law. If, if something, if people are dropping dead, you're going to lock yourself down. If you if you see the evidence, the manifestation of the evidence of something that's really deadly, really harmful, you're going to lock yourself down. You don't need a mandate on that. And then, Joel, uh, the uh, masks, 30-year study. Masks cause bacterial pneumonia. Then, Joel, you go in the hospital with pneumonia. Guess what they're going to do? They're going to turn up your ventilator too high, which damages the lungs, and then a lot of people are going to pass away, Joel. It's very unfortunate. This is the system they engineered under censorship called COVID-19. There were thousands of doctors telling people hydroxychloroquine helps. It helps. There were virologists looking at all the blood samples of, of people they claimed to have COVID. It was influenza. 
they never even, if it was a real virus produced by the human body, they never isolated it or produced that period. They never isolated the virus, Joe. Never isolated right. it. And, and so, yeah. so I, I was saying earlier, the yeah. spike protein, that's the key. That's the whole, you know, you're right. I, I, you're, I, I've heard the exact same thing. Like it was, I've heard it was exactly what you said, so the influenza viruses, but the, that spike protein, there's something about that spike protein that's that's very that's unique. Deep. But, yeah, yes, you know, I, I couldn't. And the ventilator situation, oh, my goodness, that was, of course, you found out that hydroxychloroquine wasn't beneficial when you're giving it to patients who are already on a ventilator. I mean, how many people were just like, oh, you have COVID, ventilator is the only answer, and then we overventilate it, you know. I mean, it was – it's a I don't know what happened to medicine when the coronavirus pandemic hit, but it completely changed. But I don't know why, you know? I don't know, you know, as a provider, like, what was – what changed? You know, why did we just all of a sudden decide, like, okay, we have to completely rewrite the book and how we handle infectious disease? I just don't know. I, I just don't – it doesn't make sense. <laughs> Joe, unfortunately, I believe it's because they want robots, the your satanic Wall Street elite. They want robots doing the work in the future. They don't want to pay you technological unemployment for laying you off. They want robots to do most of the work. So if you look at the Georgia Guidestones, Joe, they're located two hours east of Atlanta in a town called Elberton, Georgia. On the Georgia Guidestones, and you can Google this, it says keep humanity's population at 500 million. Well, Joe, if you're a trillionaire and you have a plan to kill 7 billion people, you would need to engineer into the education system of college, university, health class, and high school. You would need to engineer a system where people believe in airborne viruses. You would need to engineer a system of propaganda in the mainstream media to push those airborne viruses, Joe. That way then people will come in and get this vaccine which, according to Dr. Judy Mikovits, 30 to 50 million people may die from the vaccine within two years, Joe. So they want to reduce population. They want robots doing the work. You're dealing with satanic people. Like in Hollywood, they practice the Kabbalah, which is Jewish magic. Well, they believe well, Satan's going to bless them with a the blessing. This is the, this well, the evil stuff. Thing, Joel, I mean, one thing, Steve, and then I want to get, I want to get Kelly in because time here, on, this is probably one of those shows we could have, uh, been in a fourth hour, but unfortunately we, we don't have that. Um, and so uh, Durham them is two hours up. And of course, we will bring things around in our, our roundtable discussion, and, and hopefully we'll be able to get Joel back on for uh, some of these other topics. Um, now, uh, one of the things that I, I, know, I do want to bring Kelly and we do got the Skype caller in is that one of the things you, you mentioned that, that may think of, hmm, is your observation. Uh, Joel, on how it is affecting women, and, and I, I, I agree with you on that, and some of those points there, uh, Stephen, is that, yeah, I do think that the COVID-19 vaccine may be um, be used for population control as a population control method. Uh, again, we'll have to see what, the, what comes out of if there's any investigation for it, but I think that there's certainly a possibility, but then when you point, you point out, Joel, that you know, you're seeing how it's actually affecting women's menstrual cycle. I wonder if that's, you know, just kind of uh, a bellwether for, you know, what we could expect of a possible long-term effect, you know, of the, 
you know, of this vaccine. I mean, if it's affected women's menstrual cycle, is, is that something that's, you know, just a happenstance, or is that something that's actually, uh, you know, been designed uh, inside the vaccine? Well, so one of the – and I, I kind of just heard this um, – I mean, it's from a very reputable source, but I, uh, I'm not. A, I don't know necessarily where she got it from, but she, she, I, I think it's from Pfizer. I believe it's from Pfizer's study. So when you make, so your body, you get the, you get the shot. Your body starts to make the spike protein, which I've heard is like what the pathogenic, what makes you sick. That's that's, and that's what we want to prevent from getting coronavirus in the future. You know, the coronavirus, the disease, COVID nineteen, is a spike protein. Well, when you make it, it, it goes all over your body, uh, all of your different tissues, uh, and that's what happens with drugs as well, for the record. You know, drugs go into your, you know, they go into your your cells all throughout your entire body, in your tissues, as, you know, from, bio, you know, 10th grade biology, right? Well, it's about the, the, the spike protein was found to be about 0.3% throughout your accumulating at about 0.3% throughout your entire body in the tissues. It's fun to accumulate at about 1.3% in the testes and about 12% in the ovaries. And that was only after, I, I believe she said it was only two days. And like I said, I, don't, I, I believe this is from Pfizer's study, but I haven't, I didn't look at the, I didn't, I did not personally see this from Pfizer's study. I'd have to go back and double check that. But I mean, you know, exactly, exactly what you said, Robert, that that's concerning. I, I don't know. I'm not sure. I mean, it's also been, in, you know, the, uh, the pathogenic, uh, I mean, you know, COVID's crazy. It's crazy. You know, you, people lose their sense of taste. People lose their sense of smell. People have bleeding. You know, people, people find out that they had cancer. They didn't even know about, you know, that there, there, there's, Something with your immune system is like activated and triggered. It's such a bizarre phenomenon, and bleeding is one of the issues. You know, the uh, not not necessarily specifically menstrual and, and women's, um, you know, bleeding, just about like bleeding in general. I and mean, that was kind of a big thing. Um, you know, a couple, two, three months was like that was the new symptom that were happening. Was like people having these, you know, going in with needing to have be treated with like blood thinners and, and blood coagulants to try to monitor and, and manage their, their bleeding. So that that's, it, it's very interesting, whatever the relationship is between like the coronavirus specifically, I think the spike protein is, is the answer to a lot of this, but the spike protein and, 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 and bleeding slash our, our, you know, coagul our blood coagulation system. Uh, it, there's something about it that that is very peculiar. And then second to that, I mean, when you know that's something that happens to you on, on a on a regular basis. If you're a female, you know, obviously that that's going to be something that is you know, blood. That something with your immune response and the coagulation. It, it's it's very strange. But there's that's where that's some that's at least something that I think is something to pay attention to. Uh for you know, for in the for what it's worth category. That there's there's a relationship that's very bizarre with with like bleeding in general and what the spike protein and your immune response 
it's you know that that was one of the concerns with women who or one of the concerns that I had with women who were pregnant with covid you know they i there was a concern that women who were giving birth you know after like in labor giving birth were having a lot more bleeding if they had covid because of some dynamic with the coronavirus or you know the spike protein is what i believe and something in the in the clotting cascade which is your blood's ability to not bleed out when you have a cut. There's something really interesting about it. I'm not sure what it is. And of all the things, looking, you know, interesting, looking, researching all of this different stuff, you know, including what Steve's talking about, holistics and all that, so much information kind of out there, just trying to find out what the best answers are. But bleeding is is a really something in your, something with your, the blood and clotting and that spike protein is really interesting. You know, blood type yep. A. I think, I think, um, that was I think something. Like... Go ahead, go ahead, Joel. I was no, just quit that. You know, uh, in the be- toward the beginning, uh, if your blood type was O, you were at less likely risk to either get COVID or have severe output or uh, severe disease. Excuse me. Um, they found, you know, if you were a male with type A blood, you ha- you had a higher chance of like catching COVID and maybe having severe disease. I don't 100% know the relation, the, if there was a relationship, but I know there was a relationship between males were more likely than females. And if you were type A, you were more likely than any other blood type to get COVID. And for me, that's, for me, that's at least strange. I've never, I've never come across the disease um, or an in, in infectious disease. Let me say, I've never come across an infectious disease that that you can, you know, make associations with your blood type. Like, oh, blood type A, you're more likely than oh that I mean in other disease states that you know that that is possible and logical. But for an infectious disease for that to be the case, like it's not it, it's more likely that it was engineered I mean I I think it was engineered from the lab, but just strange. You know, very strange. Interesting. Curious. Well, yeah, definitely. I mean, with, well, and with the emails coming out um, and the gain of function, you know, controversy that's that, that's happening, you know, or the, you know, being discussed. Uh, yeah, I, I do. I mean, I think it's. Uh, I think it was created in the lab. Part, uh, part of me uh, believes that it was uh, a bioweapon. Because frankly, uh, I think that the Chinese, like, look, we got so many people. I don't care if we a bunch of Chinese, <laughs> bunch of our people die. You know, we we don't care. I think that. Their mindset may be, you know, let the weak die and leaves the leaves left the strong. I mean, again, that's just my thought. I mean, I don't have even anecdotal right. evidence for that. It's just right. that that's kind of my thought. And I think just like the election in 2020, I think it's going to be uh, we're going to find out the truth. I think it's going. To, I just think it's going to be a long time uh, before we ever do. And so I do want right. to bring in uh, I do want to bring in Kelly. And then, uh, again, once I have Kelly and uh, Skype callers, uh, I'll get you uh, your name and we'll get you into the show. But let's go ahead and uh, welcome Kelly. Thank you very much, Kelly, for coming to the show. How are you tonight? Oh, I'm getting a little bit rained on, but I'm actually in a little bit of shock. I just found something on the Secretary of State's website here in California. We have and, – and by the way, I just want to say thank you guys for all your discussion. I've been listening I've been working with the COVID-19 research team 
and they're exposing a lot of things and this and that, other stuff, and this this whole COVID thing. I'm really glad you guys are on top of it. Okay, election integrity is one of my things. Our county has uh, Siskiyou County. We're on the Oregon border. We have the Dominion machines and uh, the vote counting systems and the central tabulator system. And the contract expires on June 30th of this month. And there is a proposal, which I can't get my hands on, a proposal to renew the contract with uh, Siskiyou County. Okay, a bunch of this. People are pounding on my door this time. I've been at this for years. I mean, literally pounding on my door. Hey, we got to do something about this. Got to do something about this. Um, so I've been working on this. Sending letters. I'm going to send a letter to the supervisor. But uh, I just, I just found a hand grenade, man. About Dominion. Whoa. Yeah, it's a hand grenade. Are you guys ready? Ready. Born ready. Well, I have to give you a little background. Um. Well, here, I'll, I'll read the hand grenade here. Um, we got many ones. Okay. This is on the Secretary of Website, Secretary of State's website. It says about Dominion, Secretary of State Alex Padilla has withdrawn certification or conditional approval. All previously certified Dominion systems are decertified as of August 27th, 2019. Well, and you have to understand California's process. We're the most rigorous, I would suggest. There's a sub. Okay, Deborah Bowen's caught problems with the um, Diebold machines, I believe, 2008, and she decertified them. Two million votes had to be counted by hand. She set up the OVSTA under the Secretary of State's office. It's called the Office of Voting System Technology um, Assistance. Or, Assessment, sorry. Office of Voting System Technology Assessment. And once decertified, in order to use electronic vote counting systems in California, you had to submit your software and one of your voting machines, if you're Dominion, ES&S, or Heart InterCivic, to the Secretary of State's office. They go through it, they claim, as like a fine-tooth comb with software, then they hide the software in the vault once it's approved, they courier it out to the counties. And then Dominion takes from the county clerk and installs it in their machines. By the way, the machines are shipped pretty much directly from Denver. Or one of their whatever wherever they manufacture the machines, they don't go through the Secretary of State's office, the machines don't. When I say machines, I mean the computers, the motherboard, the hard drive. They just get shipped from Dominion to the counties. So the software looks all combed through and tested. The hardware, they could have sent version A to, to, this is a possibility, I'm not saying it happened, very real possibility. Dominion sent from Denver to Sacramento, here's a machine, and then when that's version A. Version B could have been sent from Denver to, say, Siskiyou County or Shasta County. Dominion is in 40 counties of California. Now, I found out, and I have to confirm this, that Dominion wasn't incorporated until 2014. That's the other bombshell I'm getting to. Now, by the way, so I just read to you how things got decertified, but Dominion paid more money to get their machines recertified, and they got it done 
July 9th, 2020. So they were decertified, and then they got reapproved. Why are they getting decertified and then reapproved again? Was something wrong? Obviously, the Secretary of State's office thought so. So maybe they had to change things in their software. Okay, fine. But what, again, the hardware version B coming from Denver, version A goes to the Secretary of State. All right. So in 2014, the legislature passed a law, SB 360, uh, 2013. It took effect on January 1st, 2014. If you use electronic vote counting machines in California, they have to be certified. Okay. When did Dominion first get certified? Well, they incorporated in in, uh, California to sell in California in 2014. Okay, when when did they get certified? When was their first certification before that got revoked? It was October 16th, 2017. So they incorporated this new business in 2014. They finally got approval of their vote counting machines October 2017. What happened in Siskiyou County? I have a copy of the contract signed September 8th, 2015. They weren't even certified yet. They did the 26 Dominion did the 2016 primary. The law says you can't be using them unless they're certified. Maybe there's some special certification or special circumstances, but it looks, looks like we were using uncertified machines to run an election. Wow. Yeah, isn't that mind-blowing? Uncertified yeah. at all. Then they got certified. Then they got decertified. Oh, then they got recertified. What the hell, guys? Another secret. Denver, Colorado has a major underground military base. Yes, sir. And that's probably where that, that those motherboards came from. Uh, wow. No idea where those motherboards came from. I, I, I just know that this is a bombshell. I called my a supervisor just before I got on here. I'm still listening. Well, I got off, then I called the supervisor. Do you know they've been decertified in 2019? And they weren't certified when they, the contract was first signed in 2015. Now, let's sit down and talk with you. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm a little bit shaking right now that we let this happen. 40 counties in California. We have 58 counties total. 40 counties are using Dominion. Wow. I'm, I'm, I, I got, I'm going to call the Secretary of State's office. I talked to him yesterday. Some decent people there, and I'm going to ask them some more questions. Well, what's going on with this certification on and off and on and off? Sounds like a college girlfriend. <laughs> mm. What's going on here, guys? It's a pretty big statement to the, the Secretary of State decertified him. So why are we going you're, to renew the contract? Would someone please paid. tell me why our, yeah. the county I live in is going to renew the contract? Yeah. Man, you're a patriot. You're a researcher. You did good. You did good finding that out. Go ahead, go ahead, Joel. Yeah. And then yeah, uh, maybe then we could bring Pal. I mean, Joseph, in. go ahead, Joel. I was going to say I got some theories why your county would would decide to, to certify the votes, but I, I don't know. <laughs> oh man, that's crazy. That's crazy. That's a good. That is a good find. Yeah, I agree. That's a good find. I, I couldn't believe I saw it. I see. I've been studying the old contract, which they're probably going to renew under the same terms. You can't look at the software. You can't look at the hardware. There's third-party components from where? Who knows? Who knows? 
where where are these components from? Um, uh, uh, Dominion can show up once a year and and uh, upgrade their software at their choosing, like maybe two weeks before the election. Um, the hardware, yeah, they, they'll do some maintenance for you, but nobody else, nobody else can touch the machine. We can't look at the machine. We can't get into the machine. It's protected under copyright. It's leased. We don't own the machines. It, this is mind-blowing. Why are we going to re, redo a contract with them? Is anybody paying attention? Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. I, I, so, it, it's like, ah. Yeah, and we talked about on this show, the 2016 election, Hillary was supposed to win with the vote fraud machine. That's why she was so confident. You remember how so confident Hillary was during that election? Because they had dominion in their back pocket. We talked about that on this show, too. She was supposed to win. When she didn't win, that's why they attacked Trump so hard. Because she didn't win and because she didn't win in 2016. They had the vote machines ready to go. And then Bard loves to go over what Joe Biden said, that we have the best vote fraud team. <laughs> oh, yeah. Right. Yeah, when he, said, when he said that, I thought I had that. Um, I thought I had that clip. But we got John on the line. We're going to bring John in shortly, but we do want to do uh, a, a roundtable discussion. So, uh, before we bring him in, Joseph, did you want to uh, comment on anything we've had since the last time uh, you spoke, or should we bring in John, or go ahead, Joseph? Uh, no, I'll uh, I'll uh, wait till the end of the show. This way, I could give John some. Uh, I could give John the floor, so he could have an opportunity to speak. Since uh, we only have about forty minutes left on the show, I want to be fair. So, uh, John, the floor is yours. Okay, so let's go ahead and uh, bring open the, the the John, and then yeah, we time goes fast here sometimes, guys. <laughs> so that's a, I have a feeling this would have been one of the shows that could, we could have squeezed the fourth hour in, but hopefully we'll be able to get uh, everybody back on and continue the, these discussions. I know uh, there's a little programming note for bringing John. I am working on nothing. He's going to be here next week. Uh, I tentatively have uh, a schedule. Of perhaps uh, we'll have our guest on next week, but. I haven't heard anything back from the, his scheduler, and we're working on having Jim Renacy on the show. He was a U.S. House of Representative in Ohio. Uh, he announced actually today, and that's probably why I haven't heard from his scheduler yet, because <laughs> it's only been a couple of days since I uh, spoke with the scheduler, or maybe about a week, maybe not quite a week, but um, he just announced today uh, that he will be running against the current uh, Ohio Governor Mike DeWine uh, and the GOP primary for governor uh, here in Ohio. Uh, so we're working on uh, uh, getting him on the show. Um, one of the things I was hoping to talk about tonight, we probably, for those listening to the podcast, um, you want to hear about why should Joe Manchin leave the Democrat Party. Uh, we may not get to that uh, topic tonight, so maybe we'll carry that over uh, to next week. Of course, he's getting a lot of uh, grief about not breaking the filibuster, but, again, that's something we probably, you know, have to continue that next week. But let's go ahead and bring in John. Uh, thank you very much, John, for coming to the show. How are you tonight? I'm doing well. Thank you for taking my call, Robert. And hello, everybody, Robert, Joe, Joseph, Steve, Kelly. It's good to hear you guys. I do appreciate you, Joe, coming out and, you know, sharing your time and your expertise to help benefit our learning. 
and thank you for your family stand for ethics in our society. It's definitely something we need to demand more of, and you are an example of one way we're trying we can do it. But uh, we've definitely got to figure out some more ways to make it more solid. I was noticing you talked about Pfizer earlier, and I was noticing a few interviews that one of the gentlemen, Dr. Michael Yeadon, he's a former vice president and chief scientist over, like, respiratory and research for Pfizer. And if you go to covid.daystar.com, Again, that's covid.daystar.com. He's done a few interviews, and he even uses the word evil. This stuff is evil. Now, I don't know what caused him to separate from his company, but he was in the office out of the U.K., and he's speaking out about this stuff and saying, hey, I wouldn't give it to anybody. No one should be taking this stuff. And this guy was there for 17 years. Anyway, covid.daystar.com has a bunch of different people that are involved in the industry like nurses that um, took the virus, um, whatever vaccine, whatever. It's not really a vaccine like you guys are mentioning. And they've had problems. And and I appreciate you talking about the um, VAERS program or whatever. And anyway, they have all these different doctors that are speaking out and their own knowledge and wisdom like Dr. Tenpenny. And she's got her own website, too, just dr1010.com. And then there's Carrie Medege. I'm not sure how to pronounce hers. It's stopworldcontrol.com. But at covid.daystar.com, most of all these people, there's videos there because they kept being kicked off of um, any of the Google YouTube stuff and whatnot. So this other alternative uh, establishment put together this particular page, covid.daystar.com in order to make sure that people are getting the message and like Dr. Tenpenny had mentioned there's like 27 FDA approved drug therapies to deal with this already on the books and she puts together a paper with all the listings of you know the different things and it includes you know hydroxychloroquine and ivermectin and remdesivir and uh Shoot, I can't remember all the different ones. There's quite a few of them, but Dr. Tim Penny also talks about what you guys touched on in the sense that the nanoparticles that are being used, some of the stuff was developed from DARPA, like the hydrogel that's being used and the silver dust. They are actually um, some form of biosensor that with the use of the gain-of-function stuff that you touched on, Robert, they can actually develop this supposed vaccine down the road into a bioweapon. And they talk about all these different things on these different videos, but the Michael Yeadon thing, being the vice president and chief scientist officer over there at Pfizer, speaking out and saying this stuff is evil and blah, 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 it just floored me. I was People ain't even listening to this, and no wonder he's getting kicked off of these different shows in different places or not allowed to be put on the mainstream, you know, media or on the big tech websites and whatnot. So I was just curious if, Joe, are you familiar with any of these doctors or the, you know, COVIDDaystar.com or Dr. Tenpenny or Control.com? Um, so I'm not familiar with the site. 
specifically, but I am familiar with Dr. Tenpenny. I have seen some, like, the videos with um, Dr. Easton, or Eaton. Oh, from you know, the the CEO from Pfizer. Yeah, I, I have seen those. Um, I have seen some videos from Dr. Ted Penny. Yeah, I mean, I mean, you know, just, if I can, quick, just for I guess the site plug, um, AmericasFrontlineDoctors.org, AFLDS.org is an organization that I'm working with. They're the only organization still fighting for our our constitutional freedoms in this country. So I, I wanted to throw that out there as, as another, you know, means of um, places to go for research, uh, you know, information, truth, if you're looking for legal help, advice, for whatever um, you know, issues you're running up against. Um, but I, I have, I, you know, to get back to what you're discussing, John, yeah, I, I have seen some of those. You know, one of the interesting things, you, you talk about the uh, the, the, the biometric um tracking and things like that. Uh it I think it's SM one oh two is the chemical name for the hydro the lipid phosphate or the, the the lipid gel that they use to get the mRNA into you into your body and, and, and it works to make it a smooth transition. And then I found I've heard a couple of people having liver issues and, and I watched a video today of a woman who passed away from a, a liver issue and uh, your liver is what produces luciferase, and that's the compound that they are using. My understanding is that's the compound that they are using to track to see if you have COVID or not. So my what I very vaguely understand is when you get the vet, one of the things that they're going, one of the plans, like you said, John, about like the biometric tracking. This luciferase is what will attach to something. I, I believe it's the coronavirus or the spike protein. There, this luciferase is what they are going to use as the means for the initial biometric tracking system. I don't. I don't know. You know. I, I don't know the degree to like how much all of that is true. Not that it's not true. I just know that the name of the compound is luciferase, and your liver, you, you, it really jacks up your, your liver. Um, your liver recovers after you make it, but or after it, your liver deals with it. But that, that is my, my understanding is that is the compound that they are using. It's like a fluorescent, it, you look at like a fluorescent dye almost, like under a UV light, except it's, you know, in your body to track I, I guess whatever biometric they want to track, but luciferase is the name of the compound that there's an association with something that's in these shots and luciferase, this compound that they use. And I think that's what they want. I mean, I think that's, I think that's what they want, obviously, but I think that's also what the point of part of the vaccines is to be able to tell who's gotten the vaccine, who's gotten COVID, who, ha- you know, as we continue to, you know, move on with time, how do you know who's got it, who doesn't have it, you know, how do the vaccine passports work? Well, I think now they want them on your phone. But I think eventually the end goal is to just, excuse me, look at a scanner or even your phone scan, you know. I mean, I feel like I saw videos in like Korea or China, uh, like South Korea or China, where that's what they do. That That's what they want. They They can just like scan your your arm or your face, something 
And if and if you have this, I I think luciferase is the compound that they're scanning for. Luciferase combines with the coronavirus or the spike protein or something that, and, and that's what they're. I, I mean, that, like I said, I don't know that that's how how true all of that is, but that's kind of what I've put together, you know, in kind of reference to what you were talking about, John. Luciferase is this compound, and, and there's something to do with it, and its relation to coronavirus or the tracking or like you said, the biometric data, it's very interesting, very strange. And then one of the – oh, I'm sorry. Uh, Bluetooth, AstraZeneca vaccine was popping I did see that up too. Yeah. on Bluetooth scanners. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it, they call it digital vaccines, but what they really want to do, ladies and gentlemen, when the 5G deployment and they finish that infrastructure for the 5G is – if you're an enemy of the government, they can trigger your vaccine to kill you. And they did, they test in China. And, of course, you're always going to have people that's going to call us conspiracy theorists. But that's how you got to kill billions of people. That's Those are the two words we're going to use, conspiracy theory. Conspiracy theory, well, hey, we've got videos of people having the AstraZeneca vaccine, and it's popping up on their phone. AstraZeneca vaccine is popping up on Bluetooth. What's going on? So that's what we have to do. When they start using those words, conspiracy theory, we're going to have to hold them to their feet to the fire, and we're going to end up protesting. We're going to have to end up in the street. We're going to, I'm going to have to get a bullhorn, pay $100 for a bullhorn. We're going to have to protest like never before. I mean, it, it's just a fact. Can I jump yeah. back no, in I real quick? I've been saying that, I've been, I've been saying that a lot on the uh, – not just for this, for a lot of things. Is it is unfortunately so? If BLM and Antifa has taught us one, taught us one thing, is that having and I'm not saying violent. I'm not saying destroy people's businesses and homes and hurting people. But one thing that did prove is is mass uh, and, and and the uh, Tea Party movement you know years ago did as well. Is yeah those those type of mass uh, mass movements and protests. Uh, they, they they do get attention, and I agree. I, I think for not just this, but many things, uh, we really do need to get out uh, out in the streets. Go, go ahead, guys. Can I jump back in? Oh, yeah, go, yeah, go ahead, John. Oh, thank you very much. Um, I, I don't know who was on the show, but uh, you might remember, Robert, a long time ago when I was talking about the technology that was coming in the future was going to be sensors in our clothes and our shoes and the sidewalks and all, you know, all kinds of different materials at the nanoparticle level. And some of these videos that I've noticed in this COVIDDaystar.com group of videos, they had mentioned, and part of the reason why I was bringing up the biosensors is because they had mentioned that the whole point of the shots right now is genetic modification of humans to move towards transhumanism and using the nanoparticles, particles, the silver dust, as a sensor so that way when, like uh, I believe it was Steve was just talking about, you know, they, they can censor, well, it, if they're using the sidewalks and the streets or, you know, your clothes and whatnot, and that's being also some form of a repeater or router-type wireless router system to read your biometrics from your skin and then feed it to the system, that would kind of 
play in together, and you know it just blows my mind. And I'm, I'm wish I was a better communicator and, and able to better get details of this stuff. And I was hoping Joe or somebody else might know more about that too. But thank you again for your time. Yeah. Oh, you're welcome. I, I'm, yeah, I'm not, I'm, go ahead. Oh, I was just gonna say, I, I mean, it, you know that I'm, I'm so. I'm kind of in this like kind of this predicament. I've heard of it and I've seen it, but it's also you know not that I don't believe it, but I also have to try to make sure that you know if I come out of the as a pharmacist who just got fired for not giving their shot, if I come out of the gates and tell people you can't get this shot because you're going to connect to Bluetooth, people are going to think I'm crazy, and I can't convince I, I can't tell I I can't have people thinking I'm that crazy yet. And I'm not saying that it is crazy. I'm just saying I, I have to. I'm trying no, to make sure that people no, understand no, that. You no, know what I mean? So, but no, I. But to go back well, to John, yeah, I mean, I, 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 I 100% agree. I, mean, I 100% agree with you know what you're saying. I, mean, I think I think that's potentially what is happening or coming. You know, I mean, and if it's not happening or coming now, I believe. I mean, and and Steve, you touched on it too. I mean, I, I think that's I I, I a fear that that is the end result or the end plan for very evil people. That's, I mean, it's so crazy, <laughs> crazy. Yeah. Well, and you, and you made a point, uh, you made a point, Steve, is that, yeah, I mean, it, it is, it is interesting that a lot of things that were be, that were considered, and I don't know if it's the case. I mean, I, I don't know. I don't have any evidence right now, but that because we don't have the evidence doesn't mean it's, it's not happening, but, Right. But I do. I mean, just look at just look at uh, you know what the the so-called conspiracy theory when they talk about the elections. All of that's conspiracy. I think that's going to pan out to show that yeah, it's going to be proven that the election was rigged um, or manipulated. That's probably a better word to use. Um, and then I think that you know later you know later on these things are going to prove out. I mean, I I mean. Yeah, I don't want to bring this up on the show, but now they're starting to show more stuff about UFOs, but, you know, we'll see how that pans out. Uh, but also, I, I think but what one thing that's coming out, I think they were saying that conspiracy theory to keep on, on point with, with tonight's show, is that they were talking about, oh, well, you know, that the, the, the escape from a lab theory was, you know, just a conspiracy theory, and they were just trying to say that. Well, we, we're now seeing that, yeah, that's not true. That, well, they don't know yet, but it's things are more more starting to point towards you know, all those people who are called conspiracy theorists saying that this was leaked from a lab. Eh, that might not have been such you know so much of a conspiracy theory. So these ideas, and that's that's where I I I, I you know title them as at this point uh, here on the show is that I think you know what we have here is a lot of ideas and a lot of possibilities. Um, and I think that, you know, there's always possibility. I'm a big Star Trek fan, and, and Spock is like one of my, you know, idols. Like, not idols, but, you know, I know, so, you know somebody who, you know, I, I like to mimic, especially when it comes to dealing with emotions. But um, that's why, actually, that's one of the reasons why the show is called Bard's Logic. So, <laughs> big Star Trek fan, and Spock's actually my favorite character on the show. Um, but. I mean, yeah, I think there, I think that all of those are possibilities. Now, are they the reality? I mean, I don't know. Uh, do I think that there could be some nefarious? Uh, I don't know if I subscribe to evil. I mean, people here are long-term listeners on the show. 
uh, know that my jury is still out when it comes to there being actual evil um, or, you know, anything of that nature. Um, is it possible? That certainly is. I, I always say, I don't always say it, but I say I reserve the right to be wrong. <laughs> so, I, don't, I don't have all the answers. Uh, I like that. But yeah, these are definitely, I get your point, Joel. I mean, exactly. I mean, we, we, we do have to be careful with, you know, with, with how fast we, we, uh, we come out with, you know, our, you know, some thoughts because they will, you know, label you. And I, I like to say what, uh, you know, a good friend of ours, you know, back when we first started the show, um, Mark Prasik used to say he's uh, actually the founder of um, Patriot Journalist Network. Um, I think they're still going on, um, but he's he's not doing uh, as much you know, political news as uh, I think he's uh, focusing on Christian news now and doing interviews for that. Um, but he used to say it's, it's good to keep your powder dry. He used to say that to me all the time. We'd be talking behind the scenes, you know, about different information we may have or we're at least speculating that we have um, and pretty confident in it. But he's like, you know, well, Robert, it's always, it's always good to keep your powder dry. You know, there's always a time and place to, to bring certain things out. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah, at this point, I think that, that's a, a good place to get. Now, I have a couple questions. We are running out of time. One of what things we like to do here, Joel, is and we, we, we still do have a number of people on the, on the call, is we do have, like, final comments where, you know, and we're not quite there yet, but where you know, I like to give people at least, you know, a minute or so uh, to give their closing comments, you know, uh, of tonight's episode. And we do have, you know, not including myself, just to have a rough look, about five, uh, let's see, one, two, three, four, yeah, about five of us here on, so that's about 10, 15, yeah, so in about six minutes, we're going to start taking closing comments, but I didn't want to get this, so when this, when the story first came out, and I'm a big fan of OAN, I mean, it's, I actually, I think one day OAN very well may take over, uh, take the place of Fox News when it comes to be the, uh, you know, you know, at least the, the national source, you know, or the TV national source of of news. So I mean, so when you, when your story broke out, when this happened to you, uh, did they reach out to you, or did you reach out to them, or? Yeah, I'm kind of curious um, when I see people on different uh, shows how that happens. Sure. Yeah. So I uh, I have so that was most of the connections were made through America's Frontline Doctors. I mean, yeah, that's probably the easiest. Like, I, I, I don't even honestly, I don't even remember. I don't even know how I like. I mean, I knew about American Frontline Doctors. I had reached out to them well before I had been fired and said, you know, I'm at, I sent email. I sent emails to everybody. I mean, I'm the Federalist. I mean, I was sending emails titled like, "Help Save New York." because like this crazy stuff's happening and no one got back to me. And then when I got fired, I started, you know, people kind of started getting back to me, but um, no, it was through America's frontline doctors. Some of the people who work in the organization had had uh, or had contact information from some journalists at America or excuse me, at one America news. Um, so they, they just kind of, you know, they reached out to them and said, hey, I have this pharmacist who was fired for refusing to give the shot. You know, are you interested in the story? And they said yes. So that just kind of threw, threw the grapevine, but mo- the contacts um, came from people within America's Frontline Doctors who had who had contacts with, I mean, from a couple of different news sources, a couple of different news people. Um, 
but this just so happened that the uh, uh, OAN was the first um, organization that reached out to me and, and actually and actually got the story got the story on the tube. So. Okay, yeah, I was just I was always curious about how that you know on how that works because we had uh, you know being here in Cincinnati, Ohio. I'm sure you've heard about uh, about this is uh, you, when that that kid the Sandman uh, from Covington Catholic. Um, that that yeah. that's a school you know that made big news. Uh, that that's actually I, I don't live very far. I live maybe about twenty minutes from that school uh, when that story oh, broke okay. out. Oh. Um, I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah so uh, you know, it's, it's kind of cool to see. You know, something not cool, but I mean, you know, something like you know, just yeah. something that close, and, and just how it made national news like that. But. Yeah, yeah. So that was so, kind uh, but, of by choice, by chance, kind of. Oh, so, what, so what's next for you, Joel? I mean, is it something um, – okay, now, Kelly, uh, I don't know if he sent me or if he is going to be sending me his closing comments. He had to go, so I might be reading off his closing comments later. Um, but, you know, since we are unfortunately running out of time, uh, so what's next for you, for you, Joel? Except, you know, I'm hoping, you know, we have you back on the show so you definitely had some – Fascinating information. I would like to have uh, more conversations with you. Uh, but, but what's next for you with, you know, either working or as you, as you can say and you may not be able to, and which, of course, is understood? Is there any type of, uh, you know, lawsuit or anything that, that you think may be pending or anything you could talk about? Or uh, Yeah, so I, um, I think we're still in the, the – the primary stages of a potential lawsuit, you know, I'm not, I'm not hundred percent sure. I mean, it kind of, you know, it's, it, it's, it's so bizarre. I mean, when I, the letter that the company me after I was terminated, when I was terminated, right. The letter they sent me said I left voluntarily. And the reason was I disliked working with the public. So what? first off, like we, we, we can't we if a lawsuit was even going to happen, it can't happen if the letter says that I quit. You know, it has to say I was fired. So um I, I'm not sure. I, I'm 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 working, I'm I'm in talks with a lawyer and there's I'm more I am more concerned with the safety and well being of people of my state, of this country and of the world before I'm worried about you know, a, a, a pending lawsuit. So how much time and energy, you know, I, I, I'm not really sure. Uh, it's not something that I, I, I'm, it's definitely something I've considered and aware might happen. Um, but, but I don't hundred percent know. Yeah. That was what they, that was the, that was the letter they sent me was that I left voluntarily because I disliked the public, which is the most bizarre thing to me because like I gave my whole, my whole job and career is to helping and serving the public and, making sure that my whole stance, the whole ethical stance I took was to ensure public safety, you know, to, to protect and make sure that we weren't doing harm or no one was doing harm or to, to get answers to, to make sure we weren't doing harm or to get answers to say like, yes, this shot is what we got to do to get it done with. I mean, that, that was why I took the stance I took to try to get answers. Um, but and then in terms of what I'm doing for work, um, my my wife and I have some. We have a small business that we run. Um, my wife and I are also looking to. Uh, we're also working and and most of the way there to becoming health coaches. So, I have 
am starting to set up my own my own health coaching practice and see patients or you know see clients um and just try to guide them on, on a path to to you know kind of you know what Steve you know kind of mentioned you know more of a holistic natural approach i mean as a i as a pharmacist i can't prescribe drugs so i kind of have to try to see what other ways and and avenues there are to to see if 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 we can get people back on a on a healthier path so that's you know kind of where we're going from there and then just keep you know and then like i said in the beginning like new york's the empire state and and i'm i'm not letting that go so i'm i'm going to fight and i mean i'm i'll fight to the death for New York State and for this country, so that that's that's the other part where I'm at too. Is, I mean, I I don't with a family with a family and some and young children, um, you know that I don't I don't see this ending any other way except fighting until I get and we get what what we want or uh, until the death because I I'm not gonna just roll over and and have my my kids and other and everyone else's kids and everyone in the whole world. I'm, I'm not just going to roll over and let people just walk all over us and, and not, you know, growing up in there, growing up in the nineties and early two thousands was, was too much fun and too cool. And I, and I want everyone else to be able to experience that or, you know, everyone who could experience what it's like to grow up in America and what it's like to grow up period, you know, and no one's going to be growing up yeah. if we keep going down this path. So, so that's kind of where we're at, where I'm at. Well, no, we, uh, as I said, we certainly agree the fight. I mean, personally, I mean, I, I, I'm never going to feel like I could tell anyone what to do, but if it was me, uh, one, it picked me off. Uh, that they lied, and so you know I love revenge movies, uh, Joel. Uh, like The Count of Monte Cristo, uh, both of them are probably some of my favorite movies. Uh, <laughs> you know, yeah, and, right. and I like you know that one, and then um, Taken, the first the first Taken. Was one of my so I, I like those type of movies, and I think that I'm not saying we go out and you know eliminate anybody in that manner, but I'm saying you know like <laughs> in, in the other movie. <laughs> But uh, I do like revenge movies, and I think uh, because uh, people need to – for me, it's about justice, you know, more than revenge. But um, – and, and I, I mean, I hope I – personally, I hope you do sue them, but especially since then they went out and lied about you. Uh, I think they, they, you know, they should have some type of punitive uh, – something punitive happen to them for, for what they did because what they did uh, isn't right. I mean, you know, now – and then, then you inform it, you know, they lied. That that letter is lying about it. Just it really gets my my ire going uh, when I hear uh, that that kind of stuff uh, occurring. So I kind of hope that that you do. But anyway, I do see what time it is, and I only got about uh, about a minute and a half, everyone, for uh, their closing comments. Uh, so uh, we'll go with uh, yourself next. Yeah, maybe even a, yeah, about a minute and a half. We'll go with yourself, Joel. And then Kelly did send me his uh, closing t- statement, so I'll read off his. And then we'll go uh, to you, John, then Steve, and then Joseph. And then I'll have to close things up tonight. And uh, hope to see everyone uh, you know, next week. Certainly uh, share the link in the podcast where the, the show can be heard on all, all different kinds of podcasts. Um, so, you know, look it up uh, on the different apps that you have. Uh, iHeartRadio, you can find it at uh, Bard's Logic there, uh, iTunes. Um, you know, and again, there's a number of uh, apps 
uh, podcast apps. You can you can download the show. So definitely share that. So let's get some com- uh, closing comments from you, Joel, and then we'll move on uh, to Kelly Peter, which his is short, uh, and then John will move up the line from there. So go ahead, Joel. Yeah, I, I mean, I, you know, I don't know. You know, I guess that's my closing comment. I don't know. I don't know what's going on. I've never seen healthcare practice like this before. Thing new. I mean, we've never seen anything like COVID before, too. So to be fair, that that's also for assessment. But I just I I didn't feel right um, continuing to kind of just go on without asking some questions and getting some answers. Um, and now, honestly, I'm starting to get some answers that I, I I kind of stood up for myself, or you know, that my wife and I both stood up for ourselves. Uh, I can tell you some answers, or some, and I think a few answers, a lot of answers are available at americasfrontlinedoctors.org, AFLDS.org. We are looking for other healthcare practitioners, you know, pharmacists, nurses, anybody um, who has a story as it relates to civil liberties um, being stripped away and and what we can do to try to get those back and also get back healthcare for what it should be. Um, if you'd like to reach out to me, uh, you can. I just finished my website. It's uh, patriotalchemist.com. It's patriotalchemist.com. Uh, you can also email me patriotalchemist45 at protonmail.com. Is other ways to reach out to me. I'd love to hear from you. And uh, and I guess that's it. Stay strong. Have faith. There are good people who are fighting for our freedoms and our liberties. Um, and, and at least one of them on the phone right now isn't going to stop, you know, come, come heck or high water. There's, there's justice that needs to be served and I'm not going to stop until we get it. That's great to hear. Thank you very much. We certainly, uh, certainly want to have you back on the show, invite you back on the, uh, on the show, Joel. We'll, uh, you know, I'll give you an email and we'll, uh, you know, we'll, we'll certainly correspond if you don't mind. Um, and then sure. Kelly's, uh, Awesome, awesome. I'm, yeah, I'm very looking forward to it. Uh, it says, uh, just his closing comments, it says, all Dominion voting systems were, quote, decertified on August 27th, 2019, by California Secretary of State Alex Padilla. Uh, I will send web links of SOS statement. Then Dominion was recertified on October 18th, 2019, then, quote, upgrades approved on July 9th, 2020, uh, as they were decertified in 2019. What about the elections of 2016 through 2018? He says he does have uh, some more research to do, and, of course, he'll give us updates as Kelly does. And so let's go ahead and bring it over to you, John, for closing comments. Again, we've got about, well, I'd say about a minute and a half, but I'll have to do my thing for closing things out. Go ahead, John. Yeah, thank you so very much, everybody, and especially you, Joe. We look forward to you coming back in the future. And I'm hoping that, you know, the America's Frontline Doctors, you're able to tap into them in a way. I know they got career and professional um, people that help people such as yourself get replaced in society to continue your career and professional development. And I, I don't know how much you're getting into that, but... Um, hopefully everybody will remember PatriotAlchemist.com and go check you out and try to help um, sustain you and support you to continue to help support us with the, the, your stand on ethics. And thank you so very much. And, and don't 
forget to check out StopMedicalDiscrimination.org as well for all of you out there that's facing this same kind of situation and companies trying to uh, manipulate you. Check out StopMedicalDiscrimination.org. Thank you, and you have a great week. Back to you, Rob. Okay, John, we'll bring it over to you, uh, Steve. Yes, everybody. Uh, check out the book, A Divine Revelation of Hell by Mary Kay Baxter. In the mid-60s, she claimed she had a vision where she saw Americans under mind control, their emotions being controlled. She also saw, saw an, a mind erase machine, a memory erase machine to erase the memory of Christ out of people's minds. And I was researching, looking to see if we have such, such, such technology today. They, it looks like they, they, they are building machines that can erase memories. Don't want to scare you. Just want you to take a look at that, a divine revelation of Fred Mary K. Baxter. Hey, a coward dies a thousand deaths. A soldier dies but once. Joel, we appreciate it. Good night, guys. Thank you very much, uh, Steve. And that brings it over to you, Joseph. There's not a day that goes by that I don't miss my beloved Hawaii, um, which I is commonly referred to as paradise. Uh, going to spend the rest of my life there. Settle down. Um, COVID changed all of that and um, made me realize that you could live on the most beautiful tropical island in the world, but if you don't have your freedom, if you don't have basic liberties – it's not paradise. It's a prison. So I made the painful choice to leave. Not easy to do what was in my best interests and also what was in my ex-fiance's best interests who I care for her medically. And um, grateful that I'm in Charlotte, North Carolina. It's not paradise, but I do have my freedom here. Uh, freedoms that... Uh, I don't think Hawaii will uh, ever be the same again. I don't think Hawaii's economy will ever rebound back to the way it was prior to COVID. And um, my fervent hope is that uh, we uh, we still have uh, one last gasp of air. Um, we still have our uh, our red states that are keeping this country alive and free. And um, my fervent hope is uh, that... Uh, we take back our country in 2022 and, and 2024, and uh, it was a pleasure to have uh, y'all on the show tonight. And um, hope to have you back again next week. And uh, God bless and take care. Thank you very much, uh, Joseph, and everyone. I, you know, certainly appreciate it here on Bard's Logic uh, Political Talk. Of course, as you know, as we say, this is your show, the People's Show. Uh, not mine. That's why you don't see it named after myself, because it is you, uh, the callers and guests on our show. Uh, that just makes uh, Bars Lodge great show. So I certainly appreciate uh, you week after week uh, these past, I can't believe almost a decade now. <laughs> Nine years still with being on the show, so I certainly appreciate it. But you know, looking forward to the next week. We may or may not uh, have Tim Bernassi on, uh, still working on it. Again, he just uh, announced that he will be running in a primary against the Ohio governor, uh, Mike DeWine, while although a red state, he acts a lot, you know, acts a lot like uh, King Cuomo, as, as you put. I think that was an apt, an apt name there, Joel, uh, for that. So we'll, we're still working on having uh, you know, him on. We'll, we'll see. And definitely check out our other 
uh, episodes, uh, especially previously, where we had uh, the candidates running for against Anthony uh, Gonzalez here in Ohio, uh, and also uh, we had uh, Jack Lombardi on the show as well, and he was running against he's going to be running against Adam Kinzinger, uh, and we're, you know of course looking at having other candidates on so that we can you know again grassroots. Uh, you, know, you know, candidates on the show where they are of and for the people, not of and for the politicians. And that's certainly the, the type of uh, candidates we want to have on the show. I've also been talking with uh, Barbara Haney. She's in Alaska. Uh, we'll be having a conversation with her probably within uh, the ensuing weeks about uh, what her representatives are doing there. And, you know, we'll, we'll move on. But, yes, it's a show. Uh, starts with our opening song, uh, where it talks about standing shoulder to shoulder. Uh, we certainly have to uh, continue to do that. We do have uh, a lot going against us. But it will end tonight, as they do every night. And that is with the song by Aubrey Ashburn. She's uh, not doing music anymore, but art. And you can find her on Facebook and her art. And that's Aubrey Ashburn. Take care, folks. Have a good night. And we'll see you next time. Mm-hmm.